Hello there, welcome to episode number 13 of True Cult Pop, a music podcast of some considerable quality. So says me. My name's Stephen Hill. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, I am joined um, by the, uh, the the VR VAR team to my obnoxious, useless Brazilian referee, Sam. Slight, everyone. Sam, I am still really pissed off about England getting knocked out of the World Cup. Like, I'm really pissed off. What, what Still. Was, what was the vibe in the second half? Really pissed off. Okay. Really. All right, fair enough. I mean, it, it ticked all the boxes. For those of you who aren't interested in football, sorry, we did talk about football. We talked about the World Cup. Don't worry, don't um, worry everyone, if you're not interested in football. Neither am I. So I'm, no, I'm no, having I'm as little fun anyway. as you're going to have for the next couple of minutes. So I'm not happy. So did you, you, you watched it though, didn't you? Or did you not no, I was at work. Did you not have it at work? No. Oh, mate. We're working anyway. a good pub. That's why. <laughs> none, of, none of those, none of those shorted wankers shepherding leather into a net. Uh, no, I didn't watch it, but there were there were people in uh, here at ours. Like there was a couple of regulars who were watching it on their iPad and sort of keeping us updated and stuff like that. And it was like, yeah, well, sorry, sorry to all England sports fans. Ticked all the England heartbreak at major tournament boxes, Pen- missed penalties, no. awful refereeing, yeah. obnoxious. Totally dislikable opposition. All, all the classics, um, all, all the big ones. Yeah, missed chances and ultimately failure. So uh, not happy about that, but good luck to Morocco or Croatia in the World Cup. Uh, one, by the time you listen to this, those two will be out, and uh, one of <laughs> yeah. the and and the, the France Argentina final, where you just hope the whole stadium blows up and everyone dies, will be taking place. No offense to our Argentinian or you, French listeners. You're gonna get but, yourself yeah, know, banned from Twitter again with that kind of jokey rhetoric. Fucking, yeah, um, I just don't want a fucking Argentina France final. I can't think of anything worse. Well, I could actually uh, Portugal Argentina final probably would have been worse. <laughs> well, um, but anyway, uh, let's not talk about football anymore. Sorry about that, everyone. I just had to get it off my chest because I can't get it off my chest on Twitter anymore, can I? No. I wasn't going to use our personal podcast Twitter account, so I'm using the actual podcast instead. <laughs> much better. Awful. Much better. Much better. Yeah. Much better. Um, so, as I teased last week, we are getting into that time of year where we're counting down our 20 favourite albums of the year. Just doing a big kind of 2022 roundup. We are going to be doing one of our looks back at the year today and you know what this is how exciting all this is and how flying by the seat of our pants we are we don't know which one it is going to be yet who's going to be doing our big countdown yet but it's either going to be me or sam counting down our favorite stuff from the year um we're also going to be talking about some gigs you went to the cure i saw twice sam went to see i like trains we'll have a little quick chat about that and um if you are subscribed to wherever you are subscribed, thanks very much, everyone who gave us a review last week. Appreciate that. Feel free if, if you didn't do that. You, you, can, you still can if you want. Um, we put up a review of the new Little Sims album, which dropped yesterday as we record. We haven't actually recorded the review yet, but we are going to do that. This is all very, this has gone a bit inception. Yeah. That curse you time and your linear nature. 
Yeah, it's very odd. Um, as well, by the way, we should say, please go to patreon.com forward slash true cult pop and sign up. It's the perfect Christmas present. Mm. Uh, the extra stuff, what we do over there on our Patreon page. We've got a Your Cult Pop coming this Saturday on The Green Man by Mark Owen. Finally oh. doing it. we got lovely Gaz Jones and his lovely face to come and talk about an album which he bloody loves. Crikey. Yeah. He loves that, doesn't he? He really loves Mark Owen's The Green Man. And he, he had to, he's been holding that in for... <laughs> nigh on three decades yeah now, i mean but as, he finally got to let it come out as he said it was essentially just kind of extended therapy session for him but it was it was a good one um and yeah i'd say tune into that mark owen the best member of take that question mark asterisk pay a pound find out or, or he is i mean he is that that's the spoiler oh, it just it. seems really really nice and the album's good so yeah there you go. yeah the album is quite good actually yeah so that's happening there we also have a true classic pop coming next week on sam's next pick and i guess this will be the final one of it these will. of the year isn't it yeah, yeah on rain dogs by tom waits mm. that's um pretty hefty record you're looking forward to doing that sam yeah very much so i think it's going to be a good old chat there's plenty to talk about uh in terms of well tom waits generally but particularly with that album and that era i would say so yeah it should be a fascinating one i hope yeah, I'm really, really looking forward to that. I've not really... I'm going to tell you I'm going to tell you what I'm going to fess up right now. I am not much of a, uh, a an oracle when it comes to Tom Waits. Mm. I don't know much. I, I know, I've got a few Tom Waits albums and I like him, but he's got so much stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That I wasn't familiar with. I'm not familiar with most of his records. And actually, Rain Dogs is one of the ones, weirdly, that I'm not as familiar with. Is that so? Oh, yeah okay. i'll get into the ones that i yeah. do like and i really do like um when we do it but rain dogs is so it's been cool kind of properly getting to mm. know that album inside and out looking forward to doing that so like i say patreon.com forward slash true cult pop if you want to sign up for either of those it's five pound for our classic um tier and just any amount for everything else so enjoy that um you went to see i like trains i did i did indeed um ironic because i'm not that big a fan of trains generally because of the amount of gigs this year i have missed due to transport uh, issues not necessarily just to do with strikes with those ones it's like yeah fair enough fully on board with that it's the ones where the train just breaks down outside beeston that's always fun but anyway uh yes went to see i like trains i'd been looking forward to it for so long as i, as I rem- uh, referenced uh at some point early this year on the show um i discovered i like trains through a riot act review and i remember thinking what a shit name. I'll bet that band's rubbish. And then Compromat has ended up... It remains one of the albums I've listened to the most in the 2020s, to be honest. And uh, went with a friend of mine, a friend called Joe, uh, who I introduced to I Like Trains. He doesn't, you know, he freely admits he doesn't really listen to much music. So he always says, what are you listening to at the moment? I'll be like, oh, this. And I Like Trains are the bands that he has most sort of gelled with. We were meant to see them a year ago to the day in Leeds and just couldn't do it again because of transport issues. So finally getting there was wonderful and it was absolutely glorious. They were spectacularly good. They did um, all bar one song from Compromat. So I was a very happy bunny. It was a 15 song set list. Lovely stuff. Eight songs from Compromat. They didn't do Eyes to the Left, uh, understandably. I think that's the one that would be least likely to translate live. And obviously they don't have the guest vocals uh, or they weren't, wouldn't be able to bring them out on tour. Um the it's such a stylish looking show really quite bare bones it was kind of like a kind of I, in terms of set dressing it was 
it was very stripped back. It was just the five members of I Like Trains in sort of various levels of smart to smart casual dress. Uh, they looked so fucking cool on that stage. They just looked, yeah. As as I said when we uh, did a track review on the spectacle a few weeks ago, it's like a Christmas party in the studios of the day to day's offices. Like at the end of the year, it was brilliant. And it did feel, well, not necessarily festive. I mean, it was quite nice to kind of escape from the onslaught of the Nottingham Christmas market having got in there. But um, they're absolutely brilliant. The spectacle in particular, I think, was a real highlight for me. I love that song. It is fast becoming my favourite I Like Train song, bar the song that I think they should have ended with. So they ended the main set with The Truth, which was fucking unbelievable. Yeah, unbelievable. To the point where I was a little underwhelmed where they came back on and did what is clearly a fan favourite. They did Spencer Percival as the encore. And it was like, I mean, it is great. And it sounds really, really broad and cinematic. And with all that reverb and the wailing guitars and the feedback kind of ebbing over everything. It was like, this is great. But the truth should have been where you finished, I think. Um, mm. I think my only note on it was uh, not not nothing to do with I Like Train's performance. They were note perfect all the way through. I thought it was absolutely spectacular. It's the most placid crowd I have ever been in. Like, nobody seemed to really be engaging at all. And there was a point where David, the front man, did say, oh, thanks so much, Nottingham. It's been a great night. It's nice to finally be back here. Bit quiet in it. And it was like, oh, God, yeah, yeah, he can tell. But, you know, it wasn't done in a kind of barbed way or anything. I think he was just a bit like, oh, God, tough crowd. Um, A bit like Elon Musk coming out of a Dave Chappelle show. Oh, topical, <laughs> topical. Topic, very topical. Yeah, it's a good absolutely. job we're doing it this week's one rather than next week because we're recording these back to back, by the way. Yeah, we are. Um, yeah. Sorry, but, um, yeah, I like trains. Absolutely fantastic. And to be honest, if anything, the kind of m- muted reaction from the crowd, I think, gave me in my own head more license to a bit more voguing and a lot of aggressive pointing at the stage whilst singing along the lyrics to an album I absolutely love. I had a great time. Well done, I like trains. Well bloody oh, done. Yeah. Still would like to see them because I do think Compromat is fucking brilliant. What fucking a great record. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, what a and, great record. And live, it works so well. Um, you know, it does have all of those intricacies come through, but then it's the simplicity and infectiousness of the melodies. It it just it sounded fantastic. Like and in the rescue rooms, which, you know, I go there quite often. I've had I've run the gamut of sort of quality of sound in that venue, and this was definitely on the higher end. It sounded fucking great. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm going to move on because I've got six hours of The Cure to talk about. Cool. Okay. If that's all right. But that does sound good. Thanks. Um, I went to see The Cure on Sunday and I went to see him on Monday. Greedy. Why would you do that, Stephen Hill? Why? Why do you need to see a band twice? Say some people, including my girlfriend, who <laughs> cannot understand why I go and see things twice. And more for her because we went together on the first night and she and she said to me, one of the things she said to me, was after we were coming out, after two, they did a 28 song set both nights, mm. she was like, oh, there's a bunch of stuff that they didn't play. They, I, I really wish they'd played Let's Go To Bed. And I was like, yeah, that would have been good. And then the next night, they played it. So that's why you go twice, isn't it? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Because you want to make sure you see all the stuff that you want to see. Um, and there's not many opportunities to go and see a band like The Cure. Um, before I get into it, I have to say, much to my fury... I didn't see uh, the Twilight Sad. Oh, Stephen Hill, you burk. Either night. And I'll tell you for why. I should have fucking known the, the next night, but this is was out of my control, unfortunately. Wembley Arena is a shithole. Oh, yeah. Right? It's always been a shithole. But the queue for The Cure, even like an hour after Doors, 
was ridiculous. Completely, completely, completely ridiculous. Say what you like about the O2. It's a big corporate shell and mm. it's expensive and blah, 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 blah. The sound's always amazing. You can see from everywhere. The seats are nice. Yeah. And enough. frankly... Um, when you go in to the O2, you rarely have to queue that long, right? Because they've got, obviously nowadays you've got to have checks and you've got in big venues, you go through the metal detector thing. Mm-hmm. I had to queue to get into the cure. And I was like, why is the fucking queue as long as it would be when the doors open? There's four fucking five doors to get into Wembley Arena. Yeah, and it's, there not, was... it's not the the biggest capacity venue either, is it? I mean, what's no. Wembley? Is it 12? 10? Yeah. 10, 12, 10, 12 yeah, yeah, I think. And, you know, and, and these gigs were sold out. Like, they were sold out, mm. sold out. Both nights was were packed. You could barely see a empty seat fucking anywhere. Um, and I was right at the back on the, the second night, right? And so the first night, I was like, okay, yeah, we'll get there. Fine, great. Queuing, I was just like, this queue is just not moving. And it's like, well, the Twilight Sadder on in 15 minutes, like, should be able to get in. It's just not moving. It is absolutely just not moving when I finally got to the front of the queue, about 15 minutes before the queue were going to go on, so it's what? literally like an, hour, hell. like an hour. <laughs> yeah. Guess how many metal detectors they had in the doorway? One of only four doors to get into a 12,000 capacity venue. Get, go on, go on, guess. Guess get, how many? Get a go with one. Yes, correct. Yeah. One. One. One person go. So if you're a, a dopey idiot, like shout out my mate Stu, went the next night. It doesn't go to many gigs because he lives in a village. He's got two kids. And he's a football coach. That's what he likes to do with his time, right? And I was like, out, you know, get the keys out, get the wallet out, get the phone out, get your headphones out, get your fucking metal belt off quickly, whack it in the thing, walk through. He was like, oh, you want my wallet as well? And I turned around and went, if there's, I said, if 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 one person out of fifteen is like you, Stu, that's why this <laughs> fucking queue's so long. But I was like, but why have you got? Two, you know, they put the little trays that you yeah, put your stuff in. Yeah. Two of them and one metal detector. Absolutely vile Wembley Arena. Buy a new fucking. But you, know, you want to get uh, Wembley Arena anything for Christmas? Get him a new <laughs> fucking metal detector. Like get him a new fucking walkthrough thing. It is unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. So I missed the Twilight Outside on the first night through just thinking, oh, you know, twenty minutes to get in, that'd be fine. Mm. No. Like, got in there just before the cure came on. Second night, uh, my friend Matt, who I went with, was working in Tower Hill in London. It was snowing. He couldn't get across town in time. So <laughs> we literally walked in as the lights went down and the cure were coming on. Again, there was a big queue. Just fucking useless. So, we- like, Wembley is a shithole and a stink house and fuck Wembley Arena. Um, but the cure is the most important thing. Mm. I probably have said this before but i love the cure everyone i think everyone is aware that i really really love the cure and um i've been a bit unlucky in the times that i've tried to see them over the years because i think the first time i actively thought oh i'm gonna go and see the cure was actually when they did do you remember i don't know if you are too young to remember this sam but they did an mtv icon gig at brixton academy uh oh i wasn't aware of that no no, yeah they did an mtv icon thing at brixton academy in about i want to say like 2003 2003 right that sort of time that would have been when mtv icons was a thing wasn't it i mean to be honest the only yeah. one i particularly recall is obviously the metallica one with all the, the quite bad mm. bands doing their music so. avril lavigne doing fuel we all love to see it oh, and yeah. um 
and so I missed that. And then I started getting into more metal stuff, and I just was like, well, I, I just go, I just go and watch metal bands for a while. And then I saw the Cure in 2014 at the Royal Albert Hall. Oh, um, lovely! Uh, which was which was amazing. Um, and then ever since then, obviously, I missed him at Glastonbury because I didn't go to Glastonbury. The Hyde Park show, <laughs> I fucking, I tried to blag my way into the Hyde Park show because I and. I never got a response, so I, I, I couldn't go. And then I got an email the next day from their PR going, oh, did you enjoy The Cure? And I was like, what? And they went, oh, yeah, we put you on the list. But I was like, yeah, but you've got to email me to tell me that that happened. So I was on the list and I didn't even know, so I just Aww. didn't go, which is hugely frustrating. Um, and the other time, I see when Robert Smith's meltdown happened, mm. and one of the things was, it just said Cure Nation 25. And I was like, oh, well, I don't know what that is. So I'm too busy getting Death Tones and Nine Inch Nails and... Um, Manix tickets and all the other cool mm. things that were happening and then I found out it's The Cure doing one song from every album in chronological order and then going off and then so they went from their first album to the last album one song went off and then did it backwards again oh I bet that was fucking good yeah. at Royal Festival Hall as well so I've missed so the point is I missed The Cure a lot so that's why I wanted to go and see them twice and I love them as a band I've you know I always have just I think you know like I said one of the first types of music that I that I loved was as a kid was all that sort of thing and seeing the cure and i have a very very strong memory of seeing lullaby on the chart show around my nan's house and it really freaking me out when i was a kid but then you know as soon as friday i'm in love came out on a single and i was like oh that's the same band bloody how weird and then i just i just loved them and um and their set list of 28 songs not hugely different every night not hugely different but you got a kind of a 17 or or 16 song main set mm. which i thought had some fucking gems in it so they started with a new song called alone the first night they actually played five new songs yeah so i saw yeah this you know uh, will the cure do a new album i think that is coming because robert smith kept saying here's a new song it won't be new for very long yeah um well, I mean, he he said that they've had the album done since something like 2018. I mean, it's just like yeah. kind of just waiting for the time to release it, basically. But yeah, I, I'm pretty sure he has all but confirmed it is next year. Their their 14th yeah. studio album, I believe, is it? Yeah, and there's a um, there's a, a, a oh no, it's more than that. They've done more than 14. Oh, I don't well, know off the top of my head how many they've done actually, but it's a I think it's a quite a bit more than that. I thought it was like. What I might have Nine, done there is just... 19 or something. I yeah, I might have just picked a number. The third Cure <laughs> studio album to be released in 2023. Oh, yeah. It's a f no, you're right, actually. It is their 14th. Oh, okay. Ah, I'm obviously... Your I'm shit. obviously ah. thinking... I <laughs> know I am. I'm thinking... <laughs> I thought there's more than that. Bloody hell. Um, but anyway, they did a song called... Um, uh, like, there's one called And Nothing Is Forever, mm. which is fucking incredible that is incredible and um i can never say goodbye which both nights robert smith dedicated to his brother mm. which was heartbreaking apparently my mate turned around to me and said oh i've heard this on radio 2 this song recently oh, right. on radio 2 so you know that is out there and and there to be played um so uh but it was you know it was amazing i mean they, they started with alone both nights i then went into pictures of you straight afterwards oh. which i think is a lovely song pictures of you actually little kind of um personal thing um after my mum died in 2019 i also had people around me for a couple of days the first day i spent on my own because it was a week after glastonbury in 2019 and i hadn't watched the any of the i hadn't watched much of the glastonbury stuff but i had it on i had it all kind of recorded and the first night i spent on my own 
I watched the Cures Glastonbury set and they started with pictures of you and that I think it's a it's a beautiful thing where you can have a song which you know and you have known for 20 years 20 plus years and you can hear it with your kind of new thoughts and feelings and stuff um and it kind of changes Mm. how that song sounds and what it's about and how you feel about it and pictures of you i had a proper proper cry both nights um pictures of you i mean love song was in there early in the set uh both nights which was amazing um the burn they they whacked in from the crow soundtrack pretty early both nights but it was stuff like um like for me the, the top actually I'm going to shout out Jed Granger I don't know if you still listen to the podcast but Jed Granger years ago when I was doing That's Not Metal Jed um, I sort of got in contact with me and was like oh he, you know here's some stuff which I'm talking about things you might like that you might like and he got me the top by The Cure and the top was one of the albums of the, by The Cure that I'd never listened to before even right. though it was from that kind of earlier period and it's not my favourite favourite Cure album but mm-hmm. I do I do really like it but the opening track on that Shake Dog Shake is fucking amazing and they played that both nights and that that was absolutely brilliant but um, I mean shit like from the edge of the deep green sea I think people have spoken about how great that song is mm. quite a lot if you're into the sort of more hard and stuff so I think the first night was five new songs um, four from Head on the Door three from Disintegration three from Pornography three from 17 Seconds two from Wish one from Blood Flowers one from Faith one from Japanese Whiskers, uh, Whiskers, Whispers. <laughs> uh, one from Kiss Me, Kiss Me, Kiss Me. One from the top. One from Wild Mood Swings. Uh, something from uh, like Burn from the Crow soundtrack. And uh, and Boys Don't Fly. Uh, Boys Don't Fly. What the fuck is wrong with me? Boys Don't Cry. And uh, one from Bloodflowers as well. And then the second night though, I think just maybe tipped it a little bit. Mm. Um, I thought maybe the performance and the way the set was structured was better on the first night because they saved the forest for the first to end the first encore which was fucking amazing and they just whacked the forest in the middle of the 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 first set on the on the second night but six from disintegration disintegration love song lullaby pictures of you plain song prayers for rain fuck me unbelievable head on the door four from head on the door um four new songs three from 17 seconds two from japanese whispers two from pornography two from wish boys don't cry burn um kiss me kiss me kiss me one standing on the beach the singles charlotte sometimes they played and um one from the top so i think overall maybe the set list on the second night was a little bit better although i thought the structure of the first night was was better was Mm. actually better i think i overall enjoyed the first night a little bit more but check out this check out this fucking encore i've I've seen it's ridiculous it's it's like the main set all over again but just undeniable classics it's fucking obscene lullaby the walk let's go to bed friday i'm in love close to me in between days just like heaven boys don't cry behave behave how are you doing that you've already played for two hours (laughs) and you end like that it was fucking mad man it was so mad and robert smith like my mate like rich richard metalhammer rich hobson was like yeah it was really good but he lost his voice a little bit towards the end both of us i thought you know he sounded great for the whole night. I mean, he, mm. he just sounds fucking um, like amazing. And I think, you know, the new stuff sounded great. I mean, the song, End Song, which I ended the first set with as well, I thought sounded really good. It's got that, it's very kind of shoegazy, very slow, really, really long kind of, a lot of sort of Tom work and, you know, the 
the, the 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 sort of that kind of tribal drum with that fucking beautiful bass tone um combined sounded really really good but yeah man like they sounded great robert smith is just a bloody sweetheart on stage and i i I was delighted to see the cure because i felt like i waited so long to see Mm. them having only ever seen them once before and arguably in the last few years became even more of a fan of them than i was kind of ever really so it was absolutely brilliant what an amazing band i can't wait for their new record it mm. sounds like it is going to be more of that quite kind of that was very sort of piano-y elongated i really like the sort of the the, the more the sort of darker more relaxed cure stuff because we, we yeah. walked out last night and Stu and matt with my two guys i went with were like oh they're a lot heavier live aren't they than i remember them being and i was like well they you know they are heavy Mm. like the, the first the first set the, the opening chunk of the first set that shit's really heavy you know like like i say like burn um or shake dog shake and you know from the edges of the deep green sea like and that song end song that we we're talking about like the, the fucking they're fucking heavy man like really like really heavy and uh but then they can just chuck out at the end like 10 absolutely world-class <laughs> pop songs iconic pop songs it's fucking insane yeah really great really really great probably not quite enough because it has been so close to what's happening for me to give it my um you know give it a shout in my i give it a shout out in Mm. my my best gigs of the year because it was fucking brilliant but not quite enough to make a top five which speaking of which sam and i have made lists of favorite eps favorite songs favorite gigs some honorable mentions and 20 albums of the year now just a little heads up right usually when you do these top 20 albums you do a descending 20 down to one Mm. because the show is so much broader than it ever has been in any podcast that we've been involved with or i've been involved with um i thought it seemed like a bit of a weird thing to be like you know because let's be honest here when you get to like, oh, what's number 18 and what's number 17, they're pretty fucking arbitrary choices. Yeah. I mean, I know you, I'm sure there are podcasts out there where you get some fucking nerds going, <laughs> looking at looking at two black metal albums like Paul Allen's card in American Psycho and being like, oh, that one's better. Like, look at the, the raised lettering. And, you know, it even has like anti-Semitism. <laughs> yeah, do you know what I mean? But like, I think going, going, um, I can, worm rot is better than, rena sawayama mm. for these like how the fuck are you meant to to do that like these are obviously like what our favorite records are of the year yeah yeah but what we've basically done is we haven't put them in an order i think we've both got a sort of top five yeah so um the way we discussed it in advance and the way we're going to do it basically is so 20 through to six is broadly going to be sort of picked well it's it's those albums they are in the top 20 but they're not going to be yeah listed sort of numerically ranked. in ascending order yeah they're not going to be ranked um we've probably picked sort of different approaches as to how we're going to go through them uh, you know when i get to mine i'll explain my rationale for doing it we're then going to do five through to two and then we will both have a definitive album of the year um so that's that, quite right that's what mm. we're going to do basically so uh enjoy that enjoy that we also haven't decided who's going to go first no I've got a shiny two pound coin, not to show two off. Two pounds, bloody hell, in this economy. Duck. 
I know, yeah. Cripes. Um I can buy myself a penny sweet in America with this, I think, <laughs> and get no change. Um, I just basically shown that I know nothing about any other different types of um, currency. Currency. Someone's delivering a letter. Might cut oh, that out. No, probably. Anyway, we're going to toss the coin to see who goes first. I'm going to give you the, sh- the shout, Sam. Heads or tails? Uh, heads. Lucky heads. It's tails. Oh, what's your cut off, though? Well, t- 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 tails. All right. Well, I guess you, I guess you're going first, then. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I am going first. Oh, I, I guess can I sit am back going and relax. So you can sit back and relax. All you have to do is react. It's like one of those brilliant <laughs> YouTubers react. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> let's start off with songs of the year. So yeah. all of these songs are songs that are from albums that I like. None of them are in my top 20 albums of the year. So I've mm-hmm. kind of removed that. And none of them are from albums, which I'm going to give a kind of significant shout out to, uh, to, to when we, when we come to it. And there's not really an order, although I have put all the ones that I really like at the top. So I'm going to sort of start down a little bit uh, lower down. Um, I want to shout out Night Prowler by Carpenter Brute. Yeah, lovely stuff. Just that whole, that, that record is great. And that mm. is probably the most ludicrously banging song on that record. So um, Torn Up Body by Prison Religion. Hard Industrial Bot. Oh, shit. Yeah. Not a record that I've gone back to loads because fuck me, it is revoltingly, mm. insanely heavy. But um, occasionally, if I just want like pure violence, that is a great record. Um it's not my favourite record of theirs, but I do think the Fontaine's DC album is very good. And I think Jackie Down the Line is a great song. An absolutely brilliant song. Absolutely. Um, Fontaine's DC have not appeared in my end of year list, but I, I would say actually Skinty Fear is my favourite album of theirs. I think it's really? fucking brilliant. Uh, and I'm gutted that I missed them last week. So anyway, oh, shitter. Um, I've picked Everything's Electric by Liam Gallagher because there's something oh, about... just There's just something about a just a, a, a swaggery oasis song and it's the closest i think any of those lot have got to kind of good oasis mm. you know a long time him or no yeah. um i mean that that was the best song on that album but uh i think uh, i was i was kinder to that album than i ought to have been because it was my first <laughs> time doing anything yeah, on, yeah. in any form of broadcast so, not a great uh, album no it's, it's yeah. fucking dreadful but anyway that, yeah. that, that song's all right so fine yeah uh, I picked Celestial C- Signals by Devin Townsend. I think that last Devin Townsend album was yeah. great. Yeah. Celestial Signal- uh, Signals is as, again, kind of like Carpenter Brute. It's absolutely fucking mental. Love that. <laughs> uh, Chemtrails by Placebo. That Placebo album didn't quite make it into a sort of mm. list of stuff. Uh, I think it's a really, really good record. And that is an excellent song. Saturday City by Blood Command. Uh, the the oh, last yeah. Blood Command album, Praise Armageddonism, is fucking excellent, but probably not quite enough for me to get into the top album and so i would say most stuff of that is really really good mm-hmm. uh gorgon sisters by venom prison i know a lot of you mm. loved erebus by venom prison i think it's really really good but um in amongst so many other things not quite um bit of a big one but chaise lounge by wet leg yeah, like I, yeah. I have that has massively grown on me that album i think it's really really good and i think chaise lounge is just a big tune um shoulders by code and cambria Oh. is the clear kind of standout song i think world tune wise yeah, from yeah, that yeah. yeah amazing um i went back and listened to the record because i was like well is it a shout for getting in there and no. i don't think <laughs> no, harry 
No, well, no, it's oh, Harry's sorry. House. Yeah. Harry's House, Music for Sushi Restaurant. Mm. Um, I love Music for Sushi, sushi Restaurant, even though it's kind of been ruined for me by the fact that yeah, I'm sure it's going to get used on X Factor, uh, <laughs> if that's still a thing. Um, but it's a it's a great tune. Um, Eat Me by Demi Lovato. Oh, yeah. It's so good. Okay, okay. I, I said it at the time and I was like, that is a massive tune. Mm. And I think like it's it, like it's not a good album. No, no. That no, Demi no. Lovato album is not a good album. But I just I kind of want to like it because they're cool as fuck. And that song, I was like, if everything sounded like this song, that would be a proper fucking banger. Um, this song actually came out last year, but the album came out this year. And I spoke about it at the time. Friends Without Names by Life. Yeah. It's the first song of theirs I heard. I think it's a wicked song. It's so good. And nothing from the rest of the album comes close to that song, unfortunately. Um, my most listened to song of the year mm, on yeah, Spotify Wrapped yeah. <laughs> was The Overload by Yard Act. Now, I, 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 at this point, I don't even know what the rest of the Yard Act album sounds like. But I really do like The Overload. I think it's super catchy. It's very silly. And if they were, it's that thing maybe, I think Yard Act are bearable for sort of three minutes mm. and they're good for three minutes. And this three minutes, I think they are, they are very, very good. So I'm, I was a bit like, oh no, but <laughs> that is a good song. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to have to live with it. It's a I good mean, song. yeah, if, if you like it, like, that's fine. You know, I mean, mm. I, I have a kind of irrationally visceral reaction against Yard Act, but you know, i I, I recognise that that is foolish of me, really, because, I mean, the stuff they're doing is not that offensively bad to my sensibilities. Yeah. I just mm. fucking hate them. But fine. If you <laughs> like that song, that's fine, mate. That is that is cool. Yeah, it's good. Um, Doritos and Fritos by mm. 100 Gex. Now, 100 Gex are... I mean, I hope we get the new album to review when it comes out. Hope I thought it might be this year. It's obviously going to be next year. Um but Doritos and Fritos is, again, it's a stupid, stupid, stupid song. And I remember hearing, I think Laurel Laverne played it on uh, Six Music. And I remember hearing, oh, this is really cool. This is like such a like wicked little guitar part. And I've also found out Josh Freeze from The Vandals and Perfect Circle and Queens of Stone Age and, you know, all the other things that he's been in over the years, Weezer and all that. Like, he plays drums on that. What? Apparently. Mental. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's fucking crazy. But like, I think it's wicked Doritos and Fritos. I think it's actually like hilariously, like it's daft as shit, but it's just, you know, a, a, a good pop song. Mm-hmm. And um, and I'm more into them being just kind of quite straight down the line and with that sort of popping bass thing, I think it's good. But probably my favourite, if I had to pick one, I don't think this will surprise that many people, She Still Leads Me On by Suede, the mm. opening track on the, the, the latest Suede album. That really as a record in full, I don't think it's quite good enough for it to get a shout out. Um, but in terms of like, just in general, if I was making my favourite songs of the year, including everything, I think that would probably be in the top, maybe probably in the top three. Yeah. I it, fucking absolutely love that song. It is a beautiful song. And as you say, um, um, when, when talking about pictures of you, you know, I think every, obviously everyone has such different experiences and the context in which you enjoy that song obviously is so deeply personal to you. Um, I have my own reasons for liking that song a lot as well. Um it's absolutely beautiful and i think that it can speak to so many people with so many different well different experiences in life and kind of mourning and loss and the way in which you deal with that and the way you remember those 
who are no longer with you. I, I, it's a, yeah, it's a great song, that. So. Yeah, it's, uh, it's yeah. really, really amazing. Um, I picked three EPs. I think it's been an amazing year for EPs. No. Super amazing. No. But I, there's been three that have stood out to me. Go on, hit me. Waterloo Teeth by Sugar Horse. Mm. I think is excellent. Um, I just really, 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 really like that band a lot. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? I think they're fucking brilliant. And that mixture of super harsh, scabrous, black metal-y, white noise, hardcore, and more shoegazy, gothy, beautiful, ethereal parts, and the meld therein of all of those things, particularly on the album that came out last year, probably mm. not quite to the same overall standard on this EP, but then when you get the guests that you get on this record, you know, the Conjurers and the St. Pierre Snake Invasion. Mike Venner. It is a really, really cool kind of, almost like a kind of underground UK version of Axe to Fall or the end of Axe to Fall. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Which is, and, and I think it's really, really good. Um, I picked Clubbing by Clipping. Fair, fair. Because... Clipping, it's clipping. Isn't it? yeah. It's clipping. <laughs> That's obviously. all you need to say. That's the elevator uh, pitch. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, maybe we'd have gone on about this a little bit more. Obviously, it's two remixes of songs that we've already heard um, over a four-track EP, but the two that you do get, and they played them live, mm. I think both of them are wicked. And they work, it, it works better as an EP because it's short, just bangers. There's no, like you know how fucking enveloping and involving and kind of chaotic and like mad a, a whole album of clipping can be mm. it's good to hear them just go we can release a four track banger just EP, some bangers yeah, yeah and and it's and it's still great but i think probably my favorite ep of the year is the inevitable melted fork by melted bodies a band who we reviewed recently and who i didn't even know anything about uh, until i got it for metal hammer I I really really do rate this band. I yeah. think they're I think they're mental. Like I don't I don't know much about them. I think they're absolutely mental. But you got to go and listen to them. It's just it's just a wild ride that record. I, where they go next, I'm very very excited to see. But if you like, you know, kind of early System of a Down or Dog Fashion Disco or Bungle Primacy but but heavy as well mm. then i think you fucking love that band I, i'm well impressed by them i'm dead into them yeah i back that that was a really really strong ep to be honest uh one that kind of slipped my mind so it hasn't made it into my sort of top ep's little rundown but uh yeah it was excellent it was an absolutely fantastic one yeah really really enjoyed yeah. that band good um my five favorite gigs of the year. This is this has been fucking hard. This is one of the mm. best years for live music I've had. I've just spoken about the Cure, two nights at Wembley. That on most years would have been like a shoe in for at least top five. You would oh, yeah, think, yeah. but because it's been so close, I've, I've, I've actually not put it in there. But you know, I, and I just mentioned Clipping as well. You know, I saw them at Fabric mm. finally, and it was everything that I would have wanted it to be. And yet, it still doesn't get into my top five. Elton John and Pearl Jam and Duran Duran at Hyde Park, all fucking incredible. I had the best time at Reading, Little Sims, Dental Curry, Bring Me the Horizon, Halsey, the 1975 were all amazing at Reading. Um, 
Idols at Brixton right at the start of the year was mm. absolutely brilliant. Um, Genesis Awusu at the Underworld, like a, a couple of days after download, was absolutely brilliant. I think it was the day after Deftones at the Forum as well, so that was just a completely mad week for music, and it was incredible. Um, Dave at the O2 was fucking brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Liam Gallagher at the Royal Albert Hall was absolutely brilliant as well the day after taylor hawkins died and you know again you can say what you like about liam gallagher's solo material but when mm. you see him at a place like the royal abbott hall playing those oasis songs yeah, yeah. fucking amazing um foals at brixton academy i thought were absolutely wicked as well so so wicked parkway drive always great always great parkway drive um for them to be great at a venue as shitty as Alexandra Palace, <laughs> maybe the only place in the country worse than Wembley Arena, um, I think says, you know, a lot about them as a band. They are now one of the best live bands in metal. But my top five in descending order goes yeah, like I mean, this. I'm staggered. I, I'm interested to see which five gigs are going to be better than those ones you've just listed. So I mentioned Hyde Park. I went to Hyde Park three times, mm, right? Duran mm. Duran, Elton John, Pearl Jam. And all of them were brilliant. I had to pick something from it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But on reflection, the best set I saw at those three gigs was Noel Rogers and yeah, Chic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is the most maddening hour and a bit of music I think I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah, well, I have never seen so many hits pulled out like hit after hit after hit after hit and i'm not talking like oh this got to number 12 and a few people might no 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 no. i'm talking about the biggest artist in the world from duran duran to david bowie to madonna to sister you know like you might go what madonna to sister sledge but like the size of the hits that people Mm -hmm. like sister sledge had and how big disco was like this guy wrote all of the fucking massive, massive, massive disco songs and then went on to work with like, you know, Daft Punk and Pharrell. Like, get, like, it was insane. It was insane. It was just like, you think, oh, he's played everything. He's played everything. Like, he's shooting his load early, isn't he? <laughs> no, no. Like, you, like, it was absolutely insane. And... You know, when you are someone like Nile Rogers, you surround yourself with the finest musicians on planet Earth. Mm. Like the session musicians that he had, the vocalists were incredible. The rhythm section, as you would want from a kind of funk, soul, um, disco thing, just absolutely brilliant and just fun. Just go into something and it being like amazing amounts of fun. It, It was like, honestly... I went in there going, oh, yeah, I'll watch Sheik and I'll, I'll watch Noel Rogers and Sheik. Yeah, he's cool. Like, whatever. And I walked away being like, I, I have to, I would do anything to see that again. I cannot fucking wait to see that again. Like, he was meant to be playing Brixton Academy, I think, um, a little while ago. And I was like, I'd fucking go to that in a second, in a heartbeat. Like, honestly, if you get the chance, it's like a live wedding disco but the people <laughs> with the people who actually person the, the person who made that music fucking astounding it was brilliant yeah absolutely I, brilliant 
I remember when you reviewed it, looking at the set list, and it was like, yeah, how how is this not losing momentum? Like when you start at like a ten and you just keep going, it's like bloody hell. Calm down, Niall. But oh, fair mate. Yeah. Well, how how can you play fucking like Let's Dance by David Bowie and it be like the the like ninth the most well known yeah. yeah, yeah. song that you've got on your set list? It's Mental. insane. That is um, fourth. And yeah, come on. I, right. Just I think if you it. told me this was fourth at the start of the year, I'd have gone, what? What the fuck's <laughs> been going on? Tool. Yeah. Uh, Tool at the O2 was great. I've picked Tool in Birmingham, the first time that I'd seen them mm. in their own show since I saw them at Bricks Academy in 2007. So, um, a bit different from Noel Rogers, obviously. <laughs> Tool were everything that you would want tall to be i mean i spoke about it enough times when it was on right act but for those of you who are new or don't know like tall were my are were they, they're still one of my favorite bands like yeah, you know, yeah. It's not they're like in I the don't mix like tall anymore but for years and years and years like tall are my favorite band i'm not kind of quite sure i feel like that now but um but they are fucking phenomenal a spectacular band and they're just so unusual they're just so weird the way they set up they don't sound like anyone else they don't play the arena rules in the way that any other band play it and they sound amazing they also have a back catalogue which you know fear inoculum i was delighted to hear you know i think dave fenson came on last week and was talking about seeing tempest mm-hmm. um i re-fell in love with those songs that i was sort of because i was like ah oh, fear inoculum probably is their worst album and to be honest fear inoculum probably is their worst album still for me mm. but i think songs like numia and i mean particularly look, invincible amazing yeah p- particularly seeing tempest at the o2 was crazy but i haven't picked that because i think them coming out and you know when they went into sober in birmingham and it was the first time i'd seen tall in their own show for so long mm. and again like you know that curtain that was in front of them the visuals the way that you didn't really know where maynard was the fact that danny carey was sort of front and center you know justin chancellor dressed up all nice but then still weirdly being the most kind of aggressive mm. and fr- almost at like the front man of the band i think danny carey becomes like the heartbeat and the from where everything emanates from from tall justin chancellor is almost like the front man and he gives it that fucking low that low end thud um yeah they were just they were just absolutely brilliant tall like they always are uh it was great to see so many of those new songs i mean like i say it made me kind of really appreciate that record more and it, it was tall what more can i say they were fucking amazing um number three again in birmingham was the Pet Shop Boys. Yes, lovely stuff. Which is, again, you know, like, pound for pound, hit for hit, uh, well, nothing can compare with with Nile Rodgers in terms of, like, going hit for hit. Nothing. Um, But a a Pet Shop Boys greatest hits, I think, for me, for me personally, is one of life's great pleasures you mm. know like i absolutely love like I, you know they they have albums that i think are brilliant like you know behavior's great and please and they've you know they've got they've got great records of petrol boys and there are great deep cuts within those albums um when you get into the kind of mid 90s and beyond i think they kind of they, they dry up a little bit those kind of deep cuts mm-hmm. but 
they're cool but certainly they're a band who have got just a monumental back catalogue of greatest hits so to see them for the first time and it to be a greatest hits set and for them to be so good and to sound so good in Birmingham you know like I mean shout out shout out to that venue because I've only been I went twice this year uh, up to Birmingham to see gigs and both times they sounded amazing I mean tall mm. you'd expect to kind of sound amazing but I think just the like but the Pet Shop Boys just sounded really really great and again it was a it was fucking fantastic and hearing like it's a sin again a song which i think is taking on a whole new meaning a whole new level of kind of uh poignancy over the last few years with it being used for the channel 4 um series of the same name um there was such a euphoric atmosphere mm. in that venue and they are brilliant they are brilliantly unique they are brilliantly singular um and they have some of the most incredible songs i mean for me a lot of the i'm going to say quote unquote deep cuts because you know ask yourself can you forgive her like that's not a huge one in the same way as west end girls or like yeah. heart domino dancing stuff like that probably not as as big um you know left of my own devices are just fucking unbelievable unbelievable songs played brilliantly by just one of our best ever pop bands i think uh number two for me and i only spoke about it a little while ago so i won't go mad on this one and it's available to watch on amazon as we said in the aftermath of it Kendrick Lamar at the O2 over two nights was mm. absolutely astonishing. It is pretty much the most creative artist of note and of power playing at the peak of his powers to a sold out audience who are hanging on his every word and never taking the easy option at no point did Kendrick Lamar take the easy option and do what a big quote-unquote pop superstar because he's not pop but a quote-unquote pop superstar would do no in that scenario if you're big enough to headline the pyramid stage at Glastonbury which he is and he did this year and was mm. also from what I saw on television fucking spectacular there as well I it's amazing to me that he was he that you take that many risks you take a few maybe do you know what i mean like take some kendrick lamar did not that the, the show was so weird it like i said at the time it was like some sort of art installation but with some of the best music you'll ever hear incredible absolutely incredible the guy is peerless at this point yep no arguments for me i i have since watched the show uh on amazon prime and fuck me i there there are few gigs in my life i think i've regretted missing more than that tour it's like jesus christ it, it's unbelievable uh so i'm gonna be really surprised to hear what your number one pick is if it's better than that um number one for me and it was actually fairly comfortable as well. Mm. The two nights of Nine Inch Nails at the Eden Project. Ah, fair enough, mate. Fair enough. As good as they were at Brixton, they were amazing at Brixton. I think Nine Inch Nails are the best band, the best live band I've I've ever seen. I mm. still think, um, I still think, you know, the show they did, the, the, the fragile heavy show they did <sighs> at Royal Festival Hall yeah. is still probably the best gig that I've ever been to in my life. I would say the Eden Project comes within millimeters of equaling that wow both nights i think the atmosphere on the first night where it felt like it was just bangers and the sun was out 
compared to the next night where a fucking rainbow came up <laughs> behind Trent Reznor yeah. in the rain and they played a much more a, a kind of a darker weirder set mm. I you know how you can go and see the same band in the same venue two nights running and get a show which is not just like oh they weren't quite as good or they changed the setup a bit but it was like being in a completely different world is amazing obviously the weather and the, the setting and everything the setting is spectacular and amazing i mean it's out in the middle of fucking nowhere you know it wasn't without its problems no no <laughs> that, that, that trip you know, I had to fucking babysit some cunt uh <laughs> poor rich hobson through. yeah no not really rich was lovely rich was yeah. lovely um but you know when you have like all the kind of shit that's going, like it, the going down from where i live to cornwall and the and the, the road you know busy roads and it's yeah, in the middle of yeah, fucking yeah. nowhere and it's a, there's a lot of like hassle away from the gig and for it still the gigs to be so fucking brilliant um i think says everything about the quality the unbelievable quality of of nine inch nails who are just like at this point i think one of the undoubted all-time greatest bands ever yeah and that's proof and if you get a chance to go and see them you have to go and see them they are the best live band of all time i think for me it's a fair point well made i mean yeah knowledge nails absolutely spectacular <laughs> um i want to see them every night of every tour they ever do for the rest yeah. of time to be honest mate so yeah 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 they were fucking brilliant um so there you go that's my top five gigs of the year let's get to albums shall we i've got a few shout outs go on albums before i get into my top 20 that i think uh deserve a shout out um at random in no particular order at all the atheist by jamie lenman yeah. came a little bit late in the day for me to consider it as a real kind of top 20 album of the year but i think it's the best i mean i know he's not done loads since devolver but it's definitely the i think it's not far away from devolver which remains my favorite jamie lemon album mm -hmm. i think um but he's such a brilliant songwriter those songs are so sweet it, it, it's, it's just a great record i think it's just a great record of really really simple straightforward catchy rock songs amazing uh renaissance by beyonce i mm. think is excellent like you know, Break My Soul would 100% be in my favourite songs of the year. When I heard that for the first time, I was like, holy shit. I've never been someone who is like massive, like obsessively mad on Beyonce. But I thought that record was wicked. This World Is Gonna Ruin You by Vane FM mm. uh, is brilliant. I think it's better than Arizona, definitely. Um, and I thought Arizona was wicked. I think Arizona was in my top. 10 albums of the year back in 2018. So I believe so it was, how yeah. How strong this year has been. Mm. Um um, you know, it's just harder, just faster, just heavier, just more unsettling. It's great. Um, Zelenada, mm. Zelenada. Um, it, it, again, I think it's the best Zelenada album. It's uh -huh. the most straight ahead, straightforward, instantaneous Zelenada record. They should be fucking massive. I don't really understand why they're not massive. It's kind of crazy to me. I think Manuel's voice sounds fucking spectacular. The production, they now have a production which befits the grandiosity of the ideas that, that band have and they've mm. got so many fucking incredible ideas. Um like everyone else, I thought Impera by Ghost was brilliant. Yeah. You know, it's Def Leppard essentially. <laughs> but with spooky masks on yeah. um 
which maybe shouldn't sound like I would like it, but it's the first time I've listened to a ghost album straight away and gone, they're not just a cool thing who can write cool. You know, Square Hammer's the best ghost song. It oh, is. yeah, definitely. Like, it, it, it is. And, you know, all the kind of Blue Oyster Culty, all the kind of, you know, all that stuff. It's like, yeah, yeah, you know, that's fine. Good. Yeah, like, it's all right, I guess. But please give me, please give me more more Square Hammers. I don't need yeah. ghosts to be clever. And there's nothing kind of clever about um, Impera. It's just a really massive, great, big, banging rock record. Um Celebrity Therapist by Callus Dowboys mm. would be a shout as well. That's a great record. Um, very, very Dillinger-y, but I think the kind of the the pop elements that they bring in on that here and there, that kind of almost funky kind of 80s pop swing that they have in bits and bobs of it. It's such a weird juxtaposition. It's a really, really good record. Really, really good. Marlowe 3. I think is wicked as well. Mm -hmm. I've gone back to that more and more and more. Hold the Crown, Heist. I think um, Solomon Brigham, Brigham, sorry, is a, a fantastic MC. Yeah, he's wonderful. Uh, I think I think Larange's production is really great as well. It's got the thing that reminds me of the thing from when I was listening to hip hop when I was like 18, 19, 20. Yeah. And um, I, I thought that was amazing. Um Ditto for Danger Mouse and Black Thought. Cheat Codes, fucking great. Acma Marine with Michael Kiwanuka is beautiful. Strangers, when they get the Run the Jewels boys in and, you know, the fact they can do both those things across that record. You know, Dave Fenson, Gaz Jones both said it last week. You know, that kind of crate digging, old school. Hip-hop has moved on a lot. Yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's yeah. moved on a lot over the years. But the fact that Danger Mouse and Black Thought can get together and release an album which doesn't really try and do anything particularly new, but still just sounds fucking amazing, I think is wicked. Shout out you for bringing that one in, Sam. You pointed that one out to me when I hadn't even heard it. I did indeed. Look at me. Look at me knowing about, well, <laughs> I was going to say contemporary music. I mean, it's probably the oldest sounding record I've recommended <laughs> to you. But a really, really good one nonetheless. Yeah, uh, it is really, really good. Fear of the Dawn by Jack White. Yeah. It's the best Jack White solo album. Um, Into the Twilight is an absolute banger. I mean, the first three songs when they come in are fucking great. Um, it's really, really good. I remember hearing Lazaretto, the song before the album, and being like, ah, oh, this is what I want from Jack White. Jack White trying to do Prince. And the rest of the album wasn't really like that. And I feel like he's almost heard my thoughts and gone, yeah, I will make a funk. I will make just a kind of funk rock album with q-tip on it like it it's fucking great that record um life is yours by Foles is a yeah. really good record yeah. as well i much again much prefer Foles trying to do kind of uh major key sunny pop than i do you know kind of slightly more dour introspective elongated indie stuff and wake me up is again would be one of my favorite songs of the year that is absolutely fucking brilliant they started with that live and it was just like whoa here we go uh talk about this with paul last week the forever story by jid yeah. jid yeah yeah whatever you want to say A um, very strong album definitely really good album really 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 good album and i think um you know that is something which that's one of the densest in terms of understanding what he's got talking about, I think it's one of the most dense sort of 
hip-hop records of mm. the year i think he is actually really really great and it is one of those records with a, more of a sort of new school bent to it a kind of more modern bent to it that i actually really am like oh yeah this is this is dead good this isn't just sort of like very anemic sort of flat uh paper thin sound cloudy raps it's like he, he's really really good mm. really really good um bronco by orville peck yeah. is like <laughs> yeah. just a fucking riot of a record an yeah. absolute riot of a record i think it is so good um and and like and so much fun as well do you know what i mean like it's 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 just the most bizarre the most bizarre uh idea for anything really like why is this south african man dressing up like a kind of cowboy and playing this like vegas johnny cash roy orbison elvis thing like what's he yeah. doing but like it's so wicked it's a bit long but when he gets that shit right mm. there, there isn't another record like it um all year i don't think no, uh, <laughs> no, 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 no. so i i think i think that's fucking i think that's fucking brilliant um the tipping point for tears by tears for fears ah, is probably the okay. best like album from an old band of the year like we that came out right at the start of the year mm. and i keep going back to it because tears for fears are brilliant and yeah it, it's really got its claws and its hooks into me that record i think they they sound their age without sounding there was a few times like future past by duran duran that came out in 2021 had a few very good songs on it but it also was guilty of doing that thing that sometimes those back like that kind of hello how do fellow kids show me thing <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. right and tipping point doesn't do that at all and i think it's much better for it um two more and these two uh really i'll explain why they didn't get in a minute so gabriel's angels and queens part one oh, right okay. it's amazing but it's only part one mm short i mean taboo is again one of the best songs anybody has produced this year it is fucking spectacular this album is brilliant it mm. is proper like untouchable brilliant and it really very much could be in my top 20 but it's only part one so i want to wait until the whole th that's the only reason that isn't in the top 20 got out on a technicality haven't they <laughs> Got out on a technicality, unfortunately, because yeah. it is fucking amazing. Now, my last shout, it came down to two things. Came down to this year, what have I enjoyed more? Have I enjoyed just fucking straight ahead bangers and fun and upbeat stuff? Or have I liked something a bit more considered and mm. difficult? And I kind of realized that I'd actually, this year has all really been mostly about the bangers for me, which is why just missing out, probably number 21, is Answer Up There by Black Country New Road. Yeah. Which is a great record. A fucking great, great, great record. But, but, um, there's something else a bit like it in my list. A bit like it. And it came down to two records for that sort of 20th spot. And I was like, you know what? I think I just like the bangers. So it didn't get in there. That's so let's get into enough. it. That's fair enough, isn't it? Oh, I'll allow it, yeah. Definitely. Thank you, mate. Big time. I, I, uh, and so what did get in 
at that, to that last position. I'm mm, going to whack it in there. I wonder. I wonder. <laughs> I wonder what Do you know what it be. is? What uh, I'm about to say? I think I've got a good guess. I mean, if you're saying it's sort of comparable to Black Country New Road, but with more bangers, I feel like you're going to say Hellfire by Black Midi. Well, I wasn't going to start with that, but now you've uh, now you've called it out. I suppose I. Oh, well, sorry. I think, um, you, I think you yeah, should. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, then fuck it. Let's do that. Yes, um, that is in my top twenty. Hellfire yeah. by Black Midi. Um, there is a mix of stuff that this band have that it's mad. It, it, it's mad that they are as popular as they are. I mean, yeah. I remember when they, they, you know, that first album came out and they were nominated for uh, the Mercury Prize. And I was a bit like, this feels like a weird thing to be nominated for the Mercury Prize because I haven't fucking never heard it before. And there are lots of bands who do this thing. And then when... Um, when I sort of sat with it a bit and I, and I saw them live, I remember seeing them live and being like, oh, th- you know, they're actually... They're actually wicked live. They're actually like fully fucking like they're they're a, they're a really really good live band. So I was like, okay, cool. Well, I get it. Um, you know, like maybe that's sort of helped them out. And then uh, Cavalcade came out last year. Yes, and that edition of almost kind of bug-eyed, bizarro, primacy, funk, jazz, fusion shit. I was like, oh, this is good. This is. This is well good. Like, the, the, uh, like this is this is definitely better than the first one, which just felt like a kind of, a, I guess, a kind of post-punky, post-rock thing. Mm. Um, and so I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm on board with Black Midi. And Cattle Cavalcade didn't make my top twenty of the year, but I did think it was really good. Hellfire, on the other hand, from the second I heard it, I was like, there is no way. This isn't getting in my top 20. It is <laughs> fucking mental. Like yeah. the, the opening track, Hellfire, um, into Sugar Zoo. Like that is f- about five, under five minutes of, of music, right? And they sound in those five minutes like Primus, like uh, like Slint, obviously they get compared to fucking Slint all the time, like Yellow, like... <laughs> <laughs> fucking so, like so many other like so many weird things like like ween like so many weird things that and what i like about them is and what i like about this album is it doesn't really sound like it should be cool no to the sort of God, no. to the pitchfork um kind of uh you know the that kind of the 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 reddit you know sort of music snob yeah the the, the anthony fantano, anthony fantano yeah. but, like it doesn't really feel to me like this should be an album that they think is cool because all of the things that it's referencing like i just said like you know ween yellow and primus like those things are not things which are traditionally like you know slint when they got compared to like early on or whatever yeah yeah i get that yeah i get why you think that's cool but this stuff is not cool that kind of bungle kid um king crimson john zorn mashup with a guy doing like a uh i mean the the dude's voice they're like say yeah see that funny i watch yourself like like you know what's he doing (laughs) yeah like a fucking bugsy malone shit like it's absolutely fucking crazy and if you turn around and go like oh, you know, you don't cover heavy music as much anymore and blah, 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 blah. Go and listen to The Race is About to Begin oh. and tell me that we don't cover heavy music because you might go, oh, well, the, you know, the guitars aren't chunky. The guitars are wiry. and But that is fucking heavy. Mm. That is a breeze block in the fucking face of a song, right? That is 
like it's mental it's wild it's untamed it's over seven minutes long and it is just punishing absolutely punishing um and yet despite all that i feel like this is quite an easy album to listen to it's less than 40 minutes long it's 10 tracks none of the tracks save for the race is about to begin kind of clock on over you know well over six minutes mm. it's a really really compact um i don't even think it's pretentious i think it's like weird but i don't think it's pretentious i think it is and i think it's wacky it's just it's really great yeah i mean i think it's i definitely don't see it as pretentious because i think the thing is you know pretentious often gets sort of labeled on uh music that is difficult or challenging and you know more often than not it's usually fairly applied uh by people you know who are making music for the sake of it being different and challenging i don't hear an ounce of pretense in what black midi do i think they are so true to themselves and what they're being true to is that they're fucking mental but they make amazing music i i don't hear uh i don't hear it as a pretentious album at all i hear it as a collision as you say of all those weird genres that it is mad that in 2022 people are listening to them again maybe maybe the next album will be like presidents of the united states who knows <laughs> yeah i mean it might be it actually might yeah be. it, it like, could be it's it's a great record so there you go like i say these are in no particular order and sam just kind of called one out for me even though it wasn't what i was going to start with but that's fine sam don't yeah. worry don't worry about it you pig wasn't gonna um, apologize anyway so, so don't <laughs> okay uh hellfire by black midi is where i'm gonna start i'm gonna follow up again with what i was gonna start with now this is a bit of a surprise right mm. and it's a surprise to me because if you'd have told me that this record was gonna get in uh to my top 20 albums of the year list when i first heard it and particularly when people's reaction to it came along i would have said that you were mental um because I was like, mm, it's with all the great stuff that's come out this year, there's mm. no way. But I've just listened to it so much. And at this point, I know every song. And I feel like I like every song. That even though maybe some people, you shouldn't be surprised because they're a band that traditionally I have been very, very nice about. I've gone with the classic symptom of a broken spirit by Architects from my wow. top 20. And I just can't lie. I just cannot lie that I think these songs are fucking bangers they're just bangers like i give quote unquote metalcore modern metalcore a lot of shit right mm -hmm. and don't think you know there's a lot of bands that you know we, we we did review uh what they called um fucking not we came as romans devil uh, wears prada devil wears prada same thing in it um see yeah, just did it then yeah. um uh, but don't think I haven't listened to a bunch of these bands and albums and stuff like that. I mean, I, I listened to the Bad Omens album that, you know, has been so, so, so popular. Mm. I think it's absolutely rubbish. I think it's of absolutely no artistic value or merit whatsoever. Uh, it's boring and it's crap and it's badly made and it's badly written and it's got no, it's got nothing good about it at all. I don't think nothing. Um, and maybe I'm giving architects... Like, I'm not going back to that record. Whereas I have gone back to the classic Symptoms of a Broken Spirit. You know, one, because I had to review it for Hammer. And two, because, you know, architects have earned their trust through Holy Hell. And, you know, for those that wish to... Not for those... Well, yeah, for those that wish to... Exist, no, all our gods have abandoned us. All our, all our gods and, really, you know, it? lost forever, lost together and hollow crown all that stuff right like so obviously i'm probably going to go back and listen to theirs more because i think you know they, they've earned it over the years but seeing them live twice and seeing songs like 
when we were young, all the love in the world, and I've said it a whole bunch of times, all the love in the world is just fucking so great, so great. A new moral low ground, I think, is amazing as well. Like all the kind of piano, the, the little piano parts on that mm-hmm. are actually really super, super, super catchy. Deep fake tear gas, you know, like they just they're in my head at this point. They're so deeply burrowed down into my head, and the comparison—I I can't shake the comparison with Semper Eternal. I can't. Like the comparison Semper Eternal is so clear. Now, look, if Semper Eternal is the gold medal for this sort of thing, I would say a classic symptom of a broken spirit. Probably you can't even really call it the silver. There is no silver medal. And then the classic symptom of a broken spirit is the bronze medal. Mm-hmm. Because I don't think a classic sp- symptom of a broken spirit gets close enough to Sempaternal for it to really be considered worthy of being included in the same name, really. Mm-hmm. Because that album is probably the best heavy guitar rock stroke. Pop- you know, I think Sempaternal, as much as I don't like, um, I-, I-, I don't want to listen to Hybrid Theory. But I understand that it's, you know, this massive record that and everyone loves every song. Yeah. I think Sempaternal is that, right? I don't quite think the classic symptoms of a broken spirit is of the same level. I don't think it's even close to the same level. But I think it's close enough. It's close enough for me to think that those songs are going to work. Well, I've seen that they do work well in an O2 and that, that kind of jazz and it's just a completely different type of thing it's a completely different type of thing the songs don't need to really mean much in the way that maybe they meant before they just can be catchy you know this is a rare thing and that it's like it's a fun architects album it's just something to put on and the riffs are catchy and the hooks are catchy. we took the ark and sold them off a goal like that is whether you like it or not, a really, really great hook. Mm-hmm. Song for song, is it good, is good as Sempaternal? Absolutely not. But to me, it has ended up being a record which I've listened to as much as anything that's come out in the last six months because it's just a really easy listen. And um, and I've ended up enjoying all of it. So it gets in. I, you can't say fairer than that, man. I mean, when you said it, I I was surprised. I was surprised that it has made it into your end of year list. But actually, I mean, when you think about it for more than just the knee-jerk reaction, it's like, well, of course you really like it. Of course you do, because it is a, a, a really solidly put together metal album. And despite what people think, Steve does still like, he really likes metal. But it's mm. got it's got that pop sensibility running through it. And as you say, there are massive hooks. I mean, I'll be honest, it's not an album I've gone back to. It's just not my cup of tea. But the thing is, as you say, I think Architects have built up that level of trust uh, and massively earned it with their audience from, as you say, from Hollow Crown all the way through till, I mean, I know there has been a, you know, a divisive turn around from those that wish to exist and now this new album. It's not going to stop someone like me from checking out the next Architects album, even though I haven't been massively keen on the previous two. They're a band that absolutely demands your attention at the very least. And to be honest, you know, you're saying that this would be on, on the podium of Sempaternal and not, you know, there is no silver medal. I mean, I think this is a significant step up from the previous album to my ears. I wonder if maybe the next one, if they do continue down this route wholeheartedly, um, maybe the next one will be filling that silver medal spot. Who yes, knows? Possibly. Who bloody knows? Possibly. So there you go. Anyway, the classic symptom 
of a broken spirit by architects is my next pick um i'm going to give you a bit of another wild card here as well for my next album um because i have not mentioned this record Ooh. and i've not mentioned actually no i have mentioned this artist this year uh, i actually saw this artist play live although it wasn't in his solo guise i saw him uh, as a member of arm and hammer the hip-hop collective right uh, earlier this year it's billy woods uh, mm. and his album is uh a eighth i think that's how you say it i'm not sure how you say that um but anyway it came out in april and i wanted to cover this back in april back when we did right act didn't happen um but it's been a record which i sort of listened to at the time and i thought this is clearly really good and billy woods is someone who as an mc i think is fucking great like he's really great he's been around a long time and i can't mm. pretend like and he's released so many albums i mean i haven't been familiar with him for that long i think basically and a shout out Simon Glacken, who's a PR, who pointed me in the direction of More Mother, maybe more on that later as well. And Billy Woods had done a song or an EP or an album or something with, with More Mother. And I listened to a little bit of Billy Woods' stuff. And I was like, this guy's great. He's just got a really great kind of timber to his voice. He's got a really great kind of threatening flow, although he kind of sits back on it a little bit. And it's not like, it's not that kind of bug-eyed, like, rah, like sort of thing. But, but there's something about the way he kind of seethes, seethes mm. through his songs. And this record, 13 tracks, 39 minutes long, it's almost like a kind of a historical journey through the, the exploitation of people of colour in America through sound, right? I think it is one of the most frightening sounding records when it does... When it does that thing, that kind of horrorcore, deep-based, old-school kind of like stand-up um, jazz uh, double bass thing that he samples quite a lot on some of the earlier tracks, it's got this kind of horror haunted house almost production. Mm. Uh, there's a song in it called um, Savage, which is amazing. And it sucks you into this vortex um in the same way as a band like Cult of Luna do, right? It's got that really deep, it's some, and, and samples of the wind and of wind chimes and of creaking floorboards and door. Like it feels oppressive. It feels scary. It's the sort of thing you wouldn't want to listen to at home on your own. Um, there's a song called No Hard Feelings, has it? And the, the, the kind of the drone of that, it's like almost like a kind of noise drone track. Um, there's a song called Christine, which is full of threat and it's so harsh. And as the album goes on, it goes from this kind of, he invokes the sort of the feeling of the deep South of Mississippi in the kind of the, the, the late 19th century. It has that sort of feeling of dread and that kind of feeling of unease throughout it. And then as the record goes on, it becomes more almost i guess more um uh urbanized in in the sense of it becomes like a like like it becomes more it feels less like you're sitting in a in on a sort of prairie mm. in sort of 
1910 in Mississippi and more like you've been transported into kind of the streets of Compton towards the end. It feels very kind of industrialized and um, and it feels like, you're, you know, it, it's brought up to kind of more modern rap standards and it kind of happens track by track by track very, very slowly. Um, there's a song called Versailles in it, Versailles, which is a play, yeah, which is um, like that kind of classic hip hop thing, but throughout all of it, Billy Woods is a brilliant storyteller. He's a brilliant storyteller. He's brilliant at conjuring up images. There is a bit, like I said, um, in Savage where he talks about, um, I can't remember the line now, but something like human souls in the corridor. And it just makes your fucking skin. And you don't quite know what he's talking about. He paints pictures of things so clearly, but you can't quite work out exactly what <laughs> the picture as a whole is. Yeah. He's painting like, he, he's just kind of painting corners of pictures it, this album's fucking brilliant it's absolutely fucking brilliant he's amazing and if you like your hip-hop to be very dark very dense very intense you know almost quite um almost almost quite kind of post metally mm. I, I think you'll fucking have a lovely time listening to this record well not a lovely time but you'll have a time <laughs> Yeah, uh, this is one that's clearly passed me by. Um, I, uh, as you say, um, Billy Woods has a hell of a back catalogue. I've only heard one album of his before, which is a uh, Hiding Places, his 2019 album with Kenny Siegel uh, or Seagal. Uh, I'm not yeah. sure how you pronounce it. Uh, which I thought was excellent. Um, a friend of mine recommended it to me when I, around the time you know you were bringing Riot Act into clipping back in the day, which is when I sort of started investigating this more industrialised and very confrontational and terrifying subgenre of hip-hop so um yeah i i would like to say more um i think i need to go and listen to that album that sounds a bit of me you i, I reckon you'll fucking love this mate yeah i reckon you will absolutely fucking love this it is just it's huge mm. it's absolutely huge absolutely huge it's by billy woods the album is called Ethiopes. I think uh, yeah you'd find it i've just i've just had a look on apple music it's the first yeah. one that shows up it'll be the first one he's actually streaming got, he's actually put two he put two albums out this year so i did like, see yeah uh, yeah so he's done a bunch of stuff so there you go um Ethiopes by billy woods would be my next pick um i'm gonna do something a little bit more fun i'm sort of going from like well actually i suppose black midi is fun and archive. but since that was not a lot of fun let's pick something a little bit more fun yeah crash by charlie xcx ah, um, sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, I think, like, when I reviewed this on Riot Act when it first came out, I said, this is the first time I've listened to Charlie XCX. Like, you know, the fucking Room EP and stuff. I was like, oh, what is this? Like, Charlie, you know. Like, I, I was like, I, the hyper-pop thing, for me, it's hard work, right? Because I want my pop to be pop, to yeah. be fair. And a bit like 100 Gex, like I was talking about earlier... I am delighted that I know there are a there's there's a kind of hardcore group of people who are like boo get the get these this, this like normal songwriting out of my <laughs> hyper pop and I get it I get it because you know you might go well it's not as forward thinking and it's not as like this and that and the other it's basically like you're making the black album right you're doing a kind of the hyper pop black album like a load of you are trying to make but I think the thing is. As someone who's not that fussed with hyperpop as an idea, Charlie XCX now appeals to people like me who don't care about that. And there's more of me than there are of you. 
um and so you know if she wants to be massive and i think she does then this is kind of the album that she needed to make mm. when it first came out i was like there's some great songs on here there's some stuff which i was like like oh that's all right i've just listened to it loads throughout the course of this year i mean beg for you Irina sawayama is fucking amazing the hook from baby is amazing that big kind of synthy stab at the start of the title track i love yuck is great i mean that kind of old school pop strut in yuck that almost kind of like britney spearsness to it i think is fucking great um whereas the title track sounds still really futuristic and i think utilizes the the elements of hyper pop which i i think are cool um having the hook from show me love by robin s on used to know me is a piece of genius for old fuckers like me and <laughs> You know, I had listened to this album a lot and I was like, no, no, I can go back and I can just put this on. Because again, you know, pretty, pretty fucking simple, pretty fucking simple record. You know, when you think about it, it's just like, it's just a, a good pop record. And I did think, you know, would this make my top 20 of the year? Uh, I'm not so sure that it will. But then seeing her at, seeing her at Reading is what swung it for me. Because she played it like most of the stuff she played at Reading. Or she played most of this record at reading mm. and it translated so brilliantly in front of a massive festival crowd with people jumping up and down to um you know songs like baby i'm a little girl i'm a little girl i'm a little girl baby like all the way back to the fucking mixing desk i was like this is this is great and it was it was great and so i you know i can't say I can't say, you know, like this is the best pop album, like technically or whatever of the year, mm -hmm. but it's one of the most enjoyable. I think at this point now I'm like, yeah, it's got loads of stuff going on. It's really, really fucking enjoyable. Um, you got Rena, you got Christine and the Queens rocking up on it. Like I think Charlie XCX will go on and make a huge, definitive, brilliant pop album. But for me now at the moment, the, the sort of awkward transition between critically adored darling and mainstream pop artist, I think is a really interesting thing to witness. And we're in the sweet spot of it right now. So yeah, Crash by Charlie XCX. That's my next pick, Sam. Yep. Uh, you get no arguments from me. It's, as you say, it's a great fun album and it is a veritable who's who of brilliant pop stars sort of, well, I was going to say young and old, but I mean, in, in pop terms, I guess Christine and the Queens have been around for nearly five years. They're basically ready to be put out to pasture. But uh, yeah, Charlie XCX, um, I feel similar. Hive pop is something I've got quite a low tolerance for. I admire it more than I enjoy it. So when an artist does just write great pop songs, I'm I'm all for that. Yeah, mm -hmm. and I think that is a realization I've very much come to this year is that you you can like you can like challenging music. You can also like you know kind of more simple uh, more simply executed music as well, and that's all fine. And I think this year, more mm, broadly, I have been leaning more towards I just want simple but effective pop bangers, basically. So, yeah, shout out Charlie, well done. Yeah, you've won him round. <laughs> yeah, well, well done you. Um, yeah, so uh, Charlie exits crash. Uh, my next pick that I'm going to talk about. Um, we spoke about it last week, actually. Um, High vis blending, mm. just fucking great. Yeah. This is, again, something which ticks a load of boxes for me. You are essentially a aggro hardcore band playing a Happy Mondays. <laughs> you know, 
what the fuck is not to like about that this band um i actually saw like sean who we've mentioned a few times uh on the show uh, i saw he he saw them supporting frank carter the other day nice yes he, i forgot they were at that uh, underworld he, residency yeah 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 and he put a video of them um playing the opening song on his talk for hours and, la, da, la, talk for hours and they do it with such like venom mm live it seems like it's really really heavy live so i'm incredibly keen to see this band live and they looked kind of like what i think this album sounds like but you know played more aggressively in in a live environment because you know we said when we reviewed it we, we kind of missed it and we we're like ah shit we should have gone back to this but like you know the swagger of the the kind of the swagger of the of a, of a gallagher or, or an ian brown but through the through the kind of prism of madball you know what i mean like <laughs> yeah, like yeah. both of those things have swag both of those things have swagger both of those things have this brilliantly cocksure attitude and they just have them in completely different ways in completely different styles and high viz i think you wouldn't listen the first time I listened to this record and I was like oh it's you know like I didn't think to myself oh my god I've never heard anything like this before in my life but the more I do listen to it the more I find myself thinking what a, what an odd combination of stuff like you would think it would actually be because again like you know like I say hardcore swagger and rock and roll indie rock swagger like those two things are a well-trodden paths but mm-hmm. nobody's ever thought about going let's put one foot in one and another foot in the other and the fact that high viz do and are kind of the only band i can think of who've ever done that ever right is is pretty fucking crazy trauma bonds is amazing joint hands is amazing there are ball along chant along choruses on this that i think would sound great in a big swirling mosh pit at the underworld as they would you know opening for liam gallagher nebworth now i just think this band could do both of those things they are a rare thing in that they are essentially like an indie band who are like you know this feels like this does feel like proper old school it's become such a fucking cliche to be like oh we're a working class band do you Mm. know what i mean when you think about like the things you don't like about Yard Act. Yes, absolutely. Right? There's none of that on this. There's none of that like, we're working class, but we're actually really clever. And we're da, da, da. it is just like, here's some fucking tunes. Here's some mm. big, big, big fucking tunes. And we're a punk band essentially, but like, you know, we like big rollicking, rolling, pint chugging indie rock music as well just a great record just a fucking great record and it's lovely to see that so many people have sort of got behind this band i think they should be much bigger than they are i i I think you know if there were any justice they'd have a kind of idol style swell Mm. of public support coming towards them but it doesn't seem like it's quite happening yet but mate well, I know you love this record as well. Yeah, I mean, in terms of the sort of public support, I completely agree. I think this band could and should do so well commercially and appeal to a really broad audience. 
I wonder if they want to, to be honest. A mate of mine, uh, so my mate Paddy, who told me about this band when they released their debut album, uh, and he said, oh, you should listen to Ivers, you'd really like them. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'll get to that, whatever. And then I didn't listen to either of their albums until this year when Blending came out. Um, but like, he saw him just after Blending was released um, up in, uh, well, he lives between Liverpool and Stockport. So it would have been sort of around there. He goes to Manchester for gigs quite a lot. I believe it was, I believe it was in Manchester. Don't quote me on that. But he said that they, you know, came out on stage and, uh, well, at some point during the set said, Guardian Review or not, we're still a fucking hardcore band. And it's like, well, I'll be interested to see how they'll react to what I think is probably a fairly inevitable ground scholar support that they're going to get. Because this album has been popping up in a lot of end of year lists uh, across the board and deservedly so, because it is, it's got a really broad appeal and it's so well executed. So we'll mm. see. We'll see, Hi-Viz. I mean, I'd like you to be massive. But I don't know if yeah. you want to be so. Yeah, it will be interesting to see. Mm. Very, very interesting to see. So there you go. Uh, Blending by High Viz. That's in the mix for my top twenty. As is the debut studio album from British rap sensation Koji Radical, which was nominated for a Mercury Music Prize this album. Mm. Reason to Smile. I think um, you know. Delighted to see Little Sims win the Mercury Music Prize, but I think this would have been my other album that i that i really really wanted to see uh win as well and it, it got you know it got nominated for uh the mobo album of the year as well um koji radical is just cool mm. he's just cool like i listen to this album and i'm like this dude is just Again, like I just said about, it's a different kind of swagger to what we're talking about with high-vis. I think like high-vis is a bit of swagger and a bit of kind of working-class cocksuredness, and that's cool in its own right, mm-hmm. but it's not cool like, you know, like Shaft. <laughs> do, you know, <laughs> do you know what I mean? And like Koji Radical is cool like the coolest motherfucker you have ever come across in your life. He draws and slurs and grins and winks and his way through this album which has you know a lot of a lot of bluster a lot of like i'm the fucking man Mm -hmm. but a lot of like really sweet you know my family are important my community are important like all of that stuff is representing this but he kind of the way he does it you're just like who wouldn't want to be this guy he is just fucking cool and i think i've said it a few times about hip-hop albums and i'm not even entirely convinced this is broadly speaking a hip-hop album because you get something like nappy and you know that's got that amazing brass section in it um but his delivery is kind of like pure dancehall and there's loads of soul in it as well um loads and loads of like pure kind of old school soul on this record um first couple of songs you know it takes a while before you get into anything that i think you could broadly describe in the classic sense as like hip-hop do you mm. know what i mean um but then when you get to when you get to a song like payback with nux where it is like i'm just like this is like a fucking uk like ODB and Method Man track like transported into 2022. Like they're he's just cool. And you know, like I said, I I've said it before, I think, um when you get um when you get like 
a hip hop album where the music's not all that, but the the um, but the, the the MC is incredible. I think you know, like that shit's fucking that shit's enough to make an album great. And I think Koji could probably probably uh, hold his own enough on on this record like even if the music was shit but what i'm getting at is the music on this is fucking amazing mm. like the soul the brass the you know the synths the, the, the all the kind of additional cello viola piano the flutes the you know the trumpets and trombones and all that stuff it's such a deep rich thick full sounding record um yeah man i just I love it. And this is debut. Like, I know he's been around for a while, but this is fucking debut. And I think he just just smashed it straight out of the gate. It's it's an impressive uh, opening gambit for your full length. So going to be the, you know, the thing that the majority of your prospective audience are going to hear first. Um, this is an album that I did listen to upon, well, upon release. And I've not really gone back to. And I really feel like I should, now we've come to the end of the year, where I feel like I've delved a lot deeper into um a lot of a lot of subgenres that i've not really ever spent that much time with i mean you know i've i've referenced a few times that <laughs> there's probably a good 15 years of hip-hop in the uk in the uk alone that i've uh, kind of been a bit blind to and i'm still sort of picking my way through all the bits i've missed out so yeah i think that's one that i need to reassess but i do remember thinking it was good and i can't deny that koji is fucking cool as you say it just oozes swaggering cool as you say it's brilliant yeah 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 he he's wicked uh yeah. reason to smile by koji radical that is brilliant let's move on to your if you're listening favorite album of the year collectively as a listenership they fear us by ithaca mm. would be my next pick um language of injury is great right yes good yeah, 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 and yeah. i say I, hold on let me rephrase that it was very good it was, it was very very good. very good that that was a hell of a debut album i thought yeah wicked debut album but, and I thought, oh, Ithaca will will step up yeah. and they'll do a, a better second round. I, I had faith that they would, they could top that. Mm-hmm. Put it that way. I had faith that they could top that record. I thought it was a really good record. Um, I don't know why you'd listen to it now. Uh, now we have, <laughs> they fear us. <laughs> I mean, uh, they've kind of, they've, they've basically made it completely irrelevant by um, by making this, this next record. I mean, as soon as that riff for... Um, in the way it comes in I was pretty sold that it immediately sounds just production wise it just sounds so much better I think they've got better as songwriters like clearly far 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 outstrips the songwriting um, on on this or it got kind of on on most metal albums I mean yeah. for me I would say if we're going to call this metal this is the best metal album of the year for me. Fair. Fair I think. blood enough. I mean, Jamila sounds amazing. I think if you use Jamila as the sort of yardstick for how far this band have improved over the course of their existence, the future says thank you. Um, she sounds great on with that kind of doing both those things. But it's the stuff like fluorescent and particular hold and be held, hold mm. be held. Which, I mean, again, to come up from a metal band, and it ain't a metal song in any way whatsoever, but it might be the best song to come from a fucking metal band all year. 
Like it's absolutely fucking amazing. And I think we compared it to like Madonna when it came out. And I don't know if that's accurate. It's probably not that accurate really. But like all I'm saying is top pop songwriting. Um, the fact that they can do that alongside some of some of the most ridiculously instantaneous brutal ball stomping riffs like Camerit's first i think is massively impre- impressive like they haven't just improved they're not just twice as good as they were on their debut they're like what eight times better they put out a very good debut and this is about eight times better yeah it's fucking brilliant and the best thing about it the best thing about it is it does not conform to any of the stupid boring tropes of what this genre is meant to be thank you Ithaca for not doing that because I've listened to a lot like you know I've already said we've listened to a bunch of well boring metal albums this year oh yeah Um, and I don't want to listen to anymore. So I would love to think this would inspire people to just, you know, not do give better. A shit. <laughs> just do better. Yeah. Just do fucking do this, do better. Yeah, they fear us both. Um, amazing. Completely amazing. Yeah, a very strong shout. And I have absolutely loved, I mean, I, I completely agree with you. I think the language of injury was, uh, I mean, I probably might like it more than you from the sounds of it. I thought it was a spectacularly good debut. Um, and it's so cool to see that, you know, Ithaca have absolutely grown almost to a sort of surprising level. Like, I think everyone knew they had more in them, but it's like, you get this and it's uh, it does take you aback. Um, but the fact that they are getting so much um, support, you know, and critical appraisal, you know, they're ending up in a, ev- almost every Top three single... three in Hammer, as we I was said last week. Every metal album of the year list, they are in there. Um, some of them they should probably be a, bit, be a bit higher in, but yeah, I think it's absolutely brilliant and so well deserved. So, shout out Ithaca and shout out to uh, True Cult Pop listeners for picking it as the, their favorite album of the year because it is fucking brilliant. So, shout out fucking you, fucking great, yeah, fucking great record. Um, uh, well done, Ithaca. Uh, let's move on. So, my next pick is an album which again grew on me hugely, even though I really, really liked it when we first reviewed and you and I reviewed it on, on Riot Act and then we've had him on and I think going back to it then really made me go, God, this album's dead good. Mm. Um, I have gone for Murkish Dave, The City Needs a Hero. Um, if you listen to the episode we did with Murkish Dave, you will know that he is a incredibly concise, uh, intelligent and articulate gentleman. Mm. And... I think, you know, and the, and the influences for this record that he brought in were all really kind of showed the kind of breadth and width and the the scope of what he was trying to do. Um, I got sent, before I got sent the album, I got sent the video for um, for the song, um, uh, Please Don't Move to London, It's a Trap. And I remember saying at the time, like, it just sort of grabbed me straight away. And I know you, at the time when we reviewed it, you were like, oh yeah, you know, it's a decent song, but it's not like one of my favourites or whatever. I was surprised it that just... it was the one that grabbed you when we when we first reviewed it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I I think that song is really, really amazing. Mm. Um, and, you know, I think, I, I saw, you know, Dave on Twitter going, um, you know, kind of saying, like, oh, I've been putting a load of lists for sort of like, quote unquote, urban 
music and stuff and he wasn't very happy about it and i can understand why because this is a really awesome mixture of modern i mean what can we call it i guess music of black origin um but it also has really i I think a really clear indie um and guitar pop sensibility to it Mm -hmm. which seems to have been getting completely overlooked by people and I, i just really love that mixture of stuff i think he manages to like as he admitted himself lean on some stuff from indie from the 2000s which i don't even really like Mm. and kind of merge it with i guess the music that he probably um grew up with or that was sort of surrounded him um at, at an early age um but i think you know as a lyricist and as a sort of again painting pictures with his words and his lyrics i think he's he's brilliant um there's a kind of melancholy on a song like every statue must come down which isn't it's not sloganeering it's not jigganistic it's not there's there's real nuance on this record there's a it's it, it, there's a rare nuance on this record with the kind of things that he's talking about you know the is it winston churchill is it michael jackson he even brought that up himself and i was like yes. oh yeah you know like he's not just going defund the police fuck the system like, do you know what I mean? There's there's mm. way more to it than that. It feels like he kind of mulls over all of the arguments of various things he chews on, like, and, and tries to... And it sounds like someone trying to process the state of where they and society is in a quite a kind of, you know, again, a bit like with High Viz. It's not the most unusual musical statement, not the most original or unusual musical statement of the year, but I think it's it's different enough that when you put somebody on there who has such a very such a clear and interesting worldview and like you know a real a real fucking knack for hooks as well well let's hear some more for things then feel bad about like that is a fucking like well that's a fucking great hook like it's such a great hook um and it's a little bit i think it's kind of pretty different from most of the stuff that i've got on in, in my top 20 um i've just like i've really just sort of taken to this record and it's ended up being something that i first heard and it grabbed me and i went wow this is great and then i was like yeah it is good like it's good there's a few kind of dips and stuff Mm. blah blah blah. and then leaving it for a bit and going back to it the dips didn't appear so apparent to me and then i've listened to it more and more and more and now i'm just fully i'm just fully in on it i just think it's i think it and he is wicked yeah, I mean, you'll get no arguments from me. Uh, I, when we reviewed it, I, I was, I think, um, well, certainly compared to how I feel about it now, lukewarm on the album. Like, I liked it. I thought there were a lot, of, a lot of high points, but I thought there were a lot of low points that really sort of dragged it down for me. However, the more time I've spent with it and sort of gone back to it, and the more I've learned about the kind of um, other, other genres of music that basically aren't, metal and hardcore and all that lot and like not sort of based around making you queasy with the amount of noise they throw at you i'm really really starting to appreciate this album even more um and particularly having dave on with us and getting him to talk about his influences and well even before he really spoke about them listening to those five albums that he just picked as a handful of things that informed this record it's like oh shit yeah what he's done is a really clever amalgam of some pretty disparate styles that maybe have a kind of i don't know 
a thematic through line in terms of the, the lyricism of the albums that he was picking and maybe even the approach, but not necessarily sonically. Um, yeah, this is an album I think I'm going to be spending a lot more time with going into 2023 and kind of wish um, I hadn't spent so much of my life only listening to Anthrax, basically, because then I might you have liked it You always pick more. Anthrax. Well, you they're always bad, aren't they? Anthrax. It's because they're bad. Eh, they're not bad. They they're are, though. Bad. They are. No, I don't know. Bless them. They just have to cancel a tour. Leave them alone. <laughs> no. Okay, fine. Uh, <laughs> Sydney's a Hero by Murkish Dave. Very, very good. Very yes. good. Now, I know you'll agree with me on this one, Sam. I've gone for, obviously. Uh, there's a lot of artists who are kind of being picked various times over the last few years. And it seems like I'm just like, I only like a few things. But, you know, when <laughs> these artists are this good, it's very difficult to not pick something like Hold the Girl by Rina Sawayama, yeah. which is um, the follow-up to an album, you know, where I discovered her on, I think quite a lot of people discovered her on, you know, on um, on uh, Sawayama, which just fucking blew me away. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really hard when you have an album that you love like that for someone to follow it up a couple of years later and to, to get, and for you to, to feel the same about it. And at first, even though I thought this was great, I was like, is it as good as the last record? Or do I like it as much as the last record? At this point, I think definitely it is a more, uh, it's a superior record to the, the previous one. Definitely. Which one I like really depends on the day. Mm -hmm. Depends on what day you catch me. But one thing is not up for debate. And that is Rina Sawayama is maybe the best pop star this country has at the moment. I don't think there's a maybe about it myself, mate. Sure. Mm. Yeah. She is fucking brilliant. Mm -hmm. This record has got all the stuff. All the stuff. All the stuff you want from a pop album, right? And I'll tell you what's good about this show. I tell you what, I, I'm going to tell you what's good about this show you're currently <laughs> listening to. Uh, <laughs> if you haven't noticed already, this is why yeah, you're yeah, here. Yeah. <laughs> this is why you like this show. I don't know, but no, this is what's good about pop music now and, and talking about pop music now is... We, you know, we did George Michael and we said, oh, you know, George Michael, the album, it's got a few dips in it. It's got a few troughs and stuff and whatnot. Mm. And you would go back to pop music from that period. And unless you're picking... I guess like a greatest hits or some Michael Jackson albums. Um, if you call Prince pop, I guess as well, you can chuck Prince yeah. in there as well. But like in terms of like big pop stars like this, very, very flaky albums, like a mm. lot of filler. Like that seemed to, that was the thing back in the day. Pop music had some proper like filler in it. And those days appear to be gone, right? There are so many great pop albums coming out. None more so, I don't think, well, there is another one actually that I think is the, the the best pop album of the year that we'll get to in a little bit. But Hold the Girl, you know, the title track is just sweepingly, sweepingly glorious, beautiful. And then it's this hell straight afterwards, which oh, is like yeah, yeah, this yeah. kind of cutesy bubblegum little guitar sort of new wave riffer. It's absolutely brilliant. Your Age, again, has got like, you know, guitars fucking guitars um and driving synth pop and and just like everything on here is either a fucking rager just a fucking rager just like chorus boom straight out in your face like a you know like a tom jones's crotch thrusting <laughs> in your face of a chorus right 
and it's just so instantaneous so brilliantly hooky and well put together or it's this grandiose sweeping swooping beautiful heartbreaking balladic thing and she puts them together with with bits of orchestras and and with synth and with that actual rock music like there's the heavy shit on here as well and and she sounds amazing she's a fucking brilliant vocalist she's brilliant she can you know it's not like she's doing sort of screams she's not maynard like screaming one minute yeah, and then the next. like she's yeah. doing it yeah she's doing she's doing the pop music thing but she's got like real the, the, you know there's the real pathos and real heart and just absolutely undeniable quality in her voice i think rena sawayama is fucking wicked i think she's gonna be she i mean she's already getting to the point where she's like you know uh uh a kind of a hipster tosser like me sort of are all are one of our favorites you know there's loads yeah. of there's all, all the all the people there are a load of like beardy white men in their 40s like me or in their late 30s or whatever who who like carly ray gibson and taylor swift and stuff like that and um i don't really think i am one of them because i also like e17 you know mm. so i'm not sure that i'm i really like conform to like oh, i don't like some pop music but i do like like Th- the, this uh, one's I, allowed yeah absolutely yeah this one's allowed but rena sawayama is definitely in the this one's allowed category and um but i think deservedly so because she's fucking great this album's great yeah um i i i can't i don't think i could put a sort of metric number on the amount of hours i've spent voguing to songs like this hell and frankenstein this year since this album came out it only came out in mid-september um mm. yeah rena's a bit of a superstar isn't she i am fucking gutted i missed her rock city show earlier this year i was I'm meant to get there and um due to industrial action on the railways there was just no way i could get there because uh national express still haven't sorted their fucking timetables out um they don't want to see me <laughs> <laughs> i've got access to the gig but yes i don't want to see it uh yeah so that was a shame um and particularly because i don't think rita sawiyama is going to be playing rock city much longer i think she's gonna be in the o2 lads yeah she's gonna be in the fucking o2 yeah i reckon bet my bum on it i I don't want to bet your bum on it don't bet my bum no how one would do how would you and if i lost how would i transfer that to the winner well uh some sort of elective surgery i would hope i mean mechanically you would have an anus but your buttocks may be lost yeah and i don't want that uh, but Rina Sawayama is good. I, so. Yeah, this is not how I wanted to end this section on Rina Sawayama. Hold the Girl by Rina Sawayama. That's in my top 20. As is, it's a hat trick for Backwash. Yeah, lovely stuff. Three years running, Backwash gets into my top 20 albums of the year. God has nothing to do with this. Leave him out of it in 2020, which I thought was excellent. Very, very short, concise, just brilliant sort of introduction because this is, the, and the, it's the trilogy. So this is mm. a trilogy of albums. Uh, I Lie Here, Buried My Rings and Dresses last year. It was very, very close to being my album of the year. I think that is fucking amazing. And when it, it just sounded 10 times better, bigger, those massive sort of industrialized stabs and all that, and the kind of almost black metal elements to mm. it. I don't think the jump from I Lie Here, Buried to His Happiness Shall Come First, even though we are suffering, the album we're talking about, is quite as pronounced but I do think that last album was so good that matching it, at the very least matching it, is 
a hugely impressive thing um getting pupil slicer on the the song nayama uh, you know backwash is part of metal now like she's part of metal she may not be a quote-unquote metal artist but like, all right it's not metal like there this is this is fucking heavy as fuck this record it's really really heavy but crucially for me when you hear you know like the thing she did in the last one when she brought in those kind of um uh more afro beat and african kind mm. of traditional rhythmic um parts in it I, I was like well i've never heard anything like this before alongside sort of trap beats and rap and industrial metal essentially like that's incredible i think bringing in those gospely soul influences and kind of closing muzaki the last song which is the last song of the trilogy which um i interviewed backwash for metal hammer recently and she said how you know that's meant to be kind of like the credits rolling on a horror mm. film and you've got away and it's a beautiful song and it's potentially the best song across that entire trilogy and it makes me think like wherever she goes next who fucking knows what it might be but i am very 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 excited and i will be there because i think backwashes for me like in the last in this decade so 2020 we're in 20 coming to 2023 maybe the discovery of the decade for me personally um fuck like just on fire as an artist and this record again is just another absolute killer yeah definitely a very good shout i mean yeah possibly one of the most yeah one of the most impressive new acts there is um without argument really if if not the most um certainly for our tastes um yeah it's 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 another staggering album from backwash and as you uh, well as you have just said there and as we said in the review it's not the same sort of quantum leap in terms of quality from God has nothing to do with this, leave him out of it, to uh, I lie here buried in my rings and dresses. But as I said at the time, I think if Backwash was able to do that, we would be talking about one of the best albums of all time. That is how high yeah. the bar had been set. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I think it, the fact that they've managed to match the quality of that, I would say is staggering enough in itself and yeah as you say can't wait to see where backwash will go next and i really mm. want to see him live really 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 need to see some of this material live i i've posed that question and i mean hopefully soon hopefully, yeah hopefully. yeah yeah uh his happiness shall come first even though we are suffering by backwash that's in the mix as is the album fear fear by working men's club so this was something that you and I reviewed on when it was back when this was Riot Axe podcast. Don't need to go back and listen to that. I'm going to talk about it now. And I sort of said to you like, oh, oh, we need to get this. Because I heard, I think I heard someone on Six Music and I was like, this is fucking great. Mm. Um, I think it's Ploys I heard. And I was like, this oh, okay. is absolutely a bit of me. Mm. This is absolutely fucking lutely a bit of me. This is classic sounding dark synth pop mm -hmm. but with real edge and real aggression this is not like uh if they were an 80s band it wouldn't be like the human league or spandau ballet it would be more like you know the normal or early gary newman mm. or do you know what i mean it would be the more sort of frightening shadowy aggressive end of that thing um 
and that's all good i like that as a thing but if you if you're gonna do that you gotta write some fucking great songs as well i've already mentioned ploys that hit me like a ton of bricks when i heard it on the radio i was like wow this is so great the second that deep dark synth comes in on 19 oh God. i was done that drived and that uh that kind of detached 80s kind of almost like robotic industrial thing they have on widow incredibly incredibly like both catchy and poppy and yet frightening like fucking ace like it's got the same sort of thing the carpenter brute do mm. but there's nothing cartoonish about this this is like very very serious uh, you know uh, uh, in, in musically i think it's almost like a more dark not really danceable because i think i like trains are quite danceable but I, I i see the similarities between this record and compromat which we've already spoken about in this mm. podcast and uh, i just fucking love it um the last one the eight minute ender as well is yeah. so weird so great i didn't really know much about this band at all if anything, I just sort of heard them on the radio and was like, oh, God. And then you were like, yeah, yeah, we have to do this. And um, yeah, I think this record is fucking great. It's so good. It's maybe the best electronic record of the year for me, like made purely with kind Ooh. of synthy electronic -y stuff, I think. Oh, spoilers from Stephen Hill. No Depeche Mode reissues this year then in the top 20. No, sadly not. No, <laughs> no, no. no. Um, uh, oh, go on. Well, I was going to say, you like this record a lot, don't you? I do like this record a lot, yes. And actually, um, I think, yeah, the the I Like Trains compromise comparison um, is, I, I mean, obviously I made it, so obviously I agree with it, but uh, I think they are similar bedfellows that do take a sort of different bent on quite harsh music that on the surface i think can be quite summary at times um like you get a song like cut or whatever it's like well that's just kind of nice like bouncy pop song and then you actually listen to what they're talking about it's like yeah. it's pretty dark pretty aggressive that stuff um and i would also say um apt that i reviewed i like trains at the top of the show um went with my friend joe working men's club are his second favorite band that i have pointed him towards and he absolutely loves this so play some dates next year please i need to yeah, see this music i need to go and have a dance yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Fear, Fear by Working Men's Club. That's my next pick. I'm going to move on and talk about Jazz Codes by More Mother. Yeah. Um, maybe, in fact, there's no real maybe about it. This is the most difficult record to listen to on my list, I think. This is an amazingly mm. dense, difficult listen. I still don't really think I know exactly what this is is this hip-hop is this jazz is this some sort of experimental soul record is this some post something music i really don't know i think it is an incredibly moving uh and beautiful whilst also occasionally being harrowing listen um when we reviewed it you and i uh i picked out meditation rag with all those deep soulful mourning sort of horns and her voice more mother so full of like heart and pain and anger and it's just a really really amazing record i think it's amazing um to hear something that has been put together that feels like it almost feels improvised this record 
Do you know what I mean? It almost feels mm. like these are things that are just tumbling out of the people who are creating it. And, um, you know, it's, um, it's, it's poetry, you know, you know, more mother, I think again, like shout out Simon Glacken, uh, who's a, a PR we know who said to me, I think it was after we did clipping was like, Oh, you should check out more mother and more mother has so many records and does so much. Oh stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's like really, really, really hard to kind of, to, to kind of, um, to keep up with, you know, what she's doing. But, um, but the things that she, you know, like, and, and this is like deep kind of theorists, you know, kind of like talking about, again, you know, it's black history and, you know, where oppression has come from, how that makes you feel like what that is, this sort of institutionalized racism, all of those things, not even touched on, but kind of delved so deeply into mm. that. It's almost hard for me to talk about this record because I still, I had to have it in my 20 because every time I put it on, I just think uh, this is it, it's gripping it is gripping it's a white knuckle ride it's not it's not a white knuckle you know anything like well cannibal corpse is a white knuckle ride it's really heavy and it batters you it's not like that it is just like you can't move because you are scared that you're going to miss something which is mm. important and it just sounds important you know when you put a record on you just go this just sounds heavy this just sounds essential this just sounds important like it just everything about it just feels weighty and dark and serious and uh, i you know and 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 like musically like it is also great. Like I'm making it sound like it's just, you know, I got this incredibly worthy record. I mean, you know, like I said, I picked out Meditation Rag and you listen to that and it's, it it hits you so fucking hard. But then Rap Jasm does as well and Barely Woke. Like these songs are, are they're, they're sh like a lot, of, most of them are short. You're looking at most of the songs on here, sort of range between kind of, two and a half minutes one and a half minutes there's a couple that are like four a couple that are about three and a half these these pieces go by go by really really quickly there's so many voices there's so many you know like this it's a lot is what i'm mm. saying it's a lot and it's it's such a lot that i still feel like i am picking it apart but it's it's beautiful and it is brilliant it is a brilliant brilliant record i don't know if you've gone back to this much sam uh, I have gone back to it fairly sparingly because, as you say, it is it is a lot to take in. Like it is a densely packed, multi-layered collection of vignettes that do kind of explore the well, the African American experience. Which obviously, uh, on a you know, I can't sympathise with that. I you know can empathise with the, the kind of the struggle to an extent, in, just in terms of what I know about how people feel when they are discriminated against. Um, so it's it's a tough listen on many levels, not just in terms of the kind of bombardment of the amount of different influences that come into it. I mean, as you say, it's like, is it a hip-hop album? Well, there's elements, but not strictly, but then it's like, it's not just a jazz album. And if it is, like, which it pulls from so many varieties of jazz, you know, there's kind of that big band um, and the kind of, like, 30s, 40s sort of exploration of blues that goes in there. And then there's the freak-out stuff and there's acid jazz and there's so much to it. Um, this is one of those albums that I think come the end of the 2020s I think I'll be talking about a lot more because I think at the moment it's still just a mm. bit too much for me to get my head around. But I mean, she is an incredible, incredible artist, more mother herself. Absolutely staggeringly incredible. So, yeah, 
great great record uh let's move on to something a little bit um easier to digest being funny in a foreign language by the 1975 <laughs> i knew this would be in yours yeah man i mean i have to say it's been the the i guess the the, the revelation of the year you know one of the biggest turnabouts of the year um if you're too shy let me know from the previous 1975 album became a song which i listened to over and over and over and over and over again obsessively for ages and i was just like well maybe i just like that one song and then i saw them at reading and i was like I, you know i didn't even get to see the whole set of reading because i had to leave early to get my last train um and i was like oh my god they're they're just really really good fun i never really heard this enough on the two albums that we'd reviewed previously it turns out the 1975 are just an absolutely world-class pop rock band Mm. um that opening run of the 1975 happiness looking for somebody to love part of the (laughs) band and oh caroline Uh, it's fucking outrageous just outrageous hooks and you know obviously it, it it gets a little bit more introspective towards mm-hmm. the second half of the record. I'm now, you know, I think at the time I was like, yeah, I'm not as keen on that. But like, I get it now as part of the album. I get it. I understand that. I think it works as, as you know, as part of the record. I do think it works. I do love, you know, shit like, I mean, happiness is just such a fucking banger. What a fucking banger. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, Matty Healy's, you know, as we, we we bring him up every week on the show because <laughs> he's such a rap scallion. That's why he's, he's he's a rap scallion, uh, and he's hard to sort of just be like, oh, mate, he's like, mate, chill out, all right, just fucking stop mucking around, put that um, beef down. Yeah, like put that fucking beef down and chill out. But you know, whatever you think about him as a man, he can pen a fucking chorus, and I tell you what, their their albums sound glorious you get your fucking headphones on mm. get a good pair of headphones and whack a 1975 album or whack this album on in particular since this is the one we're talking about and it just sounds gorgeous they're just a gorgeous <laughs> gorgeous sounding band and i'm now very much looking forward to seeing them in like a month's time uh, they're going to be the first band i see in january um <laughs> Uh, of the first band I see in 2023 I'm really really excited what an unbelievable turnaround what an unbelievable turnaround this has been 1975 a band who I kind of like sneered at for years and years and years this is this is the one this is the fucking one for me I'm I'm in I'm, I'm all in that's totally fair enough uh, the only reason I laugh when you say they're the first band you're seeing of 2023 is not because I think that is a laughable idea it's just that do you know who the first band I'm seeing in 2023 are I don't know god no, flesh probably as uh, polar opposite as we could see but uh yeah, yeah uh, i'm completely with you mate um i got the 1975 so wrong um as i said when we reviewed them uh with mercury dave um i thought they were just this kind of i don't know art school ephemeral indie pop that was kind of masquerading as intelligent when actually they didn't really know what they were doing but they had a pretty front man yeah take it all back they're fucking brilliant aren't they they know how to write such fucking earworm choruses and and i think you know the more sort of quiet and introspective end of their stuff i do gravitate to a little bit less than than the bombastic pop but i think on this album which it's their shortest studio album to date and i think that really benefits them and i think structurally there is room for those quieter moments to to balance out because 
Otherwise, it'd be exhausting. I mean, if you've got 50 minutes of just bangers from the 1975 who are obnoxiously poppy, it's like, it'd be yeah. a bit too much. So, yeah, I, I, I totally respect it. Yeah, um, <laughs> I got them so badly wrong. Maybe I should make this my first gig of the year instead of Godflesh. I, I mean, you, you definitely could do. You definitely could do that. Well, I say you definitely could. You know, despite the fact that Metal Injection, I haven't heard of them. Uh, I think <laughs> <laughs> everyone else in the world has. So, yeah. Yeah, I think they're, they're it's probably all sold, all out, sold out. Yeah, I would have thought so. Ah, well. But uh, I'll mm. catch them next time because it's not like they don't play a hell of a lot. Yeah. Um, so there you go. Being funny in a foreign language by the 1975. That's in the list. I've got two more before I get to that top five. Um, which one should I do first? Let's do... Okay, let's do the one that I've never spoken about before. Ooh, so again, go on. This, is a, this is an album from an artist and I have been a kind of co... I have been... Not because not I'm embarrassed. I just have never really got around to talking about it. But I have been a covert K-Tempest fan for a while now. Wow, and right. the line is a curve. I think is the best K Tempest album. I had a mate when I used to work uh, in an office in around sort of 2016. Um, my boss, a sort of big boss, was a lovely man called Tim. Um, we got talking about music, and he was like, "Oh, you, you know, you listen to a lot of heavy music and blah blah blah." blah. And I was like, "Yeah, yeah." And I was, you know, this is the that's not metal here, so I'm only pretty much only listening to fucking metal, right? Mm. And the odd bit of something here and there. And he said to me, "Oh, I'm going to see um, Kate, as she was then, Kate Tempest." Uh, and I was like, "Okay, I don't know who, who that is." And he was like, "Well." Um, the, the the latest album has got a Mercury Prize nomination, and I was a bit like, "Well, that don't mean much to me." They know they never nominate fucking stuck, stuck in the mojo, do they? So <laughs> why would I pay attention to that? But anyway, he was like, "Let them eat chaos." The album from 2016 mm. is like is fucking great. He's like really, really unusual, really odd. Da, 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 da. I listened to that record, and I was like, "Holy shit!" This is very, very different to the sort of thing I used to listen to. But there's something about Kate Tempest, Kate Tempest now, that is is brilliant. I got big, kind of younger, more socially aware, more sensitive Mike Skinner from mm. the first time I heard Kate Tempest, right? And I was like, this is, this is well good. So I've always sort of, listen to Kate Tempest and I think when this record came out we were doing Riot Act and I think it was another one of those things we should do Kate Tempest oh well what is it um not you by the way that's the well, yeah. previous the previous and um I was like oh, I'm not gonna okay fine um so we just sort of didn't get around to it right and but I listened to it when it on the day it came out and I was like, at some point, I'm going to have to bring this up because this is fucking great. I think this is the most musically interesting Kate Tempest album. The 80s synth stuff on it, which is there a bit in Let Them Eat Chaos. Um, but I think the production on this is, is a step up. Um, as soon as Priority Boredom comes in, it just sounds amazing. But like I say, Kate Tempest a genuinely interesting presence. All the stuff I said about Mercury's Dave, you can kind of amplify that by a fair a fair bit. Uh, you get Grian chatting from Fontaine's DC coming in on I Saw Light and the sort of 
the subdued pain from both of them in that song happiness is a train that doesn't stop for you is amazing um nothing to prove uh, as a song on that it fucking is great again that throbbing synth line k with this seething but restrained delivery there's a song called smoking which i think is just so brilliant that you would kind of phone a phone recording of yourself sort of basically kind of improvising down the phone to someone behind this very very soft synth part that you've put together in, in the aftermath of it we are actually going to do a your cult pop because someone suggested this record mm. uh, we're going to do this uh, and give it a kind of proper full review um but i th- i i really really like k tempest a lot and i think this album is the best k tempest album if you haven't ever gone in on what i think is a very good back catalog uh i'd start here and i and i would start here i would 100 percent start here uh and i don't just mean like you, if you're going to i mean go and do that because this record is fucking brilliant fucking brilliant moving heartfelt unique very very restrained but honest at the same time i think it's i think it's fantastic this record yeah um i i was not aware of k tempest until you said oh someone suggested this for the the patreon we should definitely do it and um i sort of looked at it and I went oh a 2022 album oh okay and you said to me that it's something that you had been looking forward to before release and you have been listening to since release and um later that day when we decided it i stuck this on for the first time and uh yeah i was floored floored by it um i need i would i wish i'd heard this earlier in the year because this would have absolutely rocketed it into my my 20 um by virtue of me only hearing it a couple of weeks ago it's not quite there yet but i did see you know i mean the critical plaudits has been getting uh, i believe it's number six in radio six music's top 10 yeah it was, it was also... it, I don't know if it was number six, but I, I don't know. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was in the top. It was in the top ten, definitely. Yeah. It was in Radio uh, Radio Six Music's top ten, definitely. It was also one of Jacob Bannon from Converge's favorite album of the year, uh, favorite mm. albums of the year. I saw in his Brooklyn Vegan uh, listicle that he did. Um, yeah, I wholeheartedly agree with Steve that it's not a case of if you're going to start with K Tempest, it's you should start with K Tempest. Absolutely, go and listen to this album. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I would say Let Them Eat Chaos is a really good follow up to that as well if you're going to do that so there you go The Lines Curve by K Tempest the final one of my just sort of mixed bag of stuff we have to go at the end of the year all the way back Sam all the way back to the very start of the year the 7th of January 2002 ah oh, here he is Dawn FM <laughs> the fifth album by the Canadian Singer Songwriter The Weeknd now, just because it came out really early in the year, you didn't think I was going to forget about it, did you? Because <laughs> this record is fucking brilliant. Um, absolutely fucking brilliant. This is the best pop album of the year. There, actually, there's something else I think is it is in my top five, which you could argue is a pop album, but I would say there's something that's a bit more on that side. Th- this is the pop album of the year. The weekend is 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 wicked, right? Is is obviously fucking wicked, and. I remember, the, I think when we when we did a right act review of it back when when we were right, and I said, you know, like 
my my ex-wife really liked the weekend yeah. and i was in a place when you know like i can't feel my face well i was like oh, i don't know about this i don't like this type of music blah, 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 all that but i remember listening to house of balloons and being like yeah do you know what actually that is really fucking good like this guy is very very talented and sort of you know listening to the weekend a fair bit you know in the intervening years and whatever um but when this came out i was actually like right well i'm i'm i think i'm kind of excited for this and all the michael jackson i know you're not supposed to like michael jackson but you know musically like he was fucking good and i mean this opening you know the dawn fm the, the jim carrey sort of intro into it into gasoline into how do i make you love me into take my breath into sacrifice fucking hell what a way to open a record like every single shimmering lucid liquid bass funk 80s synth pop big chorus big shoulder pads hair big hairspray like this is excessive this record it's excessive <laughs> in the best possible way it you know they nobody makes albums like this anymore nobody makes albums that sound like this anymore i think it's such a fucking shame because you look how big the weekend is and you go people still want this people still want like just absolutely monolithically huge state-of-the-art like i don't know soul pop bangers mm they do and i know there are people that are like ah the weekend you know it's all got a bit poppy you know it's all got a bit like a bit like we were talking about with michael jackson when bad came out yeah and i think it's a pretty apt comparison actually to him and michael jackson um not for me man i'm all about it i'm all about the fucking crutch thrust like that's <laughs> what i want to do with my life and, and i can do it does over, do it he does and do I it a do, lot. and i i do it over and over and over again tyler creator rocking up on here we go again i heard you're married he's great little wayne what's he doing fuck knows <laughs> but i tell you what he's a weirdo i'll take it he's great um this album's brilliant it's 51 minutes 49 seconds it feels like it lasts about three minutes to me and yet it is a journey it is a, it's, a, it's a concept album a pop concept album by one of the biggest artists on planet earth that is both brilliantly instantaneous and straight to the point and amazing and also you know a a, a really well realized concept record mm. fucking great dawn fm by the weekend definitely was always getting in there yeah, um, uh, lovely stuff. I mean, I listened to it when it first came out and it was like, bloody hell, this is brilliant. This is just so much fun. And as you say, it's that kind of maximalist throwback pop that still has, I don't know, it's got a sort of hyper-contemporary, well, certainly production job, but also just kind of in terms of its, I don't know, there's just a feel about it where it's like you can tell that it's mm. 2022, even though it sounds like it's 1982 or whatever. Um, mm. There was a good portion of the year where I wasn't listening to this album though, actually. And I kind of, all... I quite forgot about it, but I didn't even consider it in terms of like end of year stuff until it was just a few weeks ago when we were doing uh, the review of the Stormzy album, actually, when uh, Jamie Lemon was, was on. And I was thinking back over the year about like all the big sort of mainstream pop uh, artists, not that Stormzy is a mainstream pop artist, although he is going further into that soul thing. It's like 
I'm kind of getting a bit fed up of all pop stars just doing really quiet things. I think some of them do it a lot better than others. I think Taylor Swift's album is really, really strong. But then equally, you've got Kylie Rae Jepsen doing it. And it's like, well, that feels like someone's playing catch up by quite a significant distance. I was beginning mm-hmm. to grow a bit tired of it. And then I ended up putting The weekend back on. It's like, oh, yeah, I like pop when it's pop, don't I? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is a really strong album, mate. Really, really good. Really good. Dawn FM by the weekend. It is brilliant. And it brings us to my top five, which I'm going to sort of do in an order of sorts, I think, because they just do fall in the order. And I'm so glad, Sam, because you've set me up perfectly for what my fifth favourite album of the year would be um, when you talk about maximalist pop. Mm. Because, I mean, this is pop, funk, disco, hip hop, R&B, whatever you want to call it. Special by Lizzo is exactly that i think i said it at the time when we reviewed it it was on the first ever episode of true cult pop um it's 35 minutes it does not give a fuck about anything (laughs) other than making you want to jiggle your leg shake your booty or wave your arms in the air lizzo is just seems like the most lovely person right mm. she seems like i don't know if she did that tribute she did uh to fleetwood mac recently I did. yes uh, in the aftermath of um you know the sad news we had and um like, like she's she's great like she's just fucking great and from the, the second the sign comes on like you know <laughs> a bit like talking about being in lockdown and fucking making smoothies and stuff hey motherfucker all that stuff like it's just it's so fucking joyous it is in in again in the nicest possible way lizzo is is if the muppets made (laughs) if the muppets made the coolest fucking like pop diva singer if they made a character which is not miss piggy who's like two an actual like if they made the flip where it's like oh i'm just a really fucking lovely diva character that's what Lizzo would be like. She's got <laughs> such a massive, she's got a massive personality. Yeah. Like her songs are all, look at this. You know, the longest song on the fucking record is three minutes and 35 seconds. And that's everybody's gay. And that song should be 35 minutes on its own. Because yeah. who yeah, want, yeah. why would you want that song to end? It's just so brilliant. Every single song on this record is like having, it's like that bit in Pulp Fiction where she gets the, the adrenaline, like smash, Uma Thurman gets the adrenaline smashed into her chest, except you don't have to, you know, do a load of crap heroin to, <laughs> to fucking, do that. To, yeah, get, yeah. To, to, to get that, just to put this record on. It's it's so good. I mean, I, I think it was here in, um, it was here in about damn time when that came on and I was like, this song is like so, so big. Mm. So ridiculously big i mean <laughs> she manages to make coldplay fun and bearable yeah she yeah. takes a beastie boy sample and changes that around she like you know to be loved is one of the biggest fucking songs of the year the sentiment of everything about this record is brilliant i i just i just love this record i just fucking love this record and i know there have been people who get again a bit like the weekend where people have gone ah you know before it wasn't quite so sort of throwback and it wasn't quite so bold and before it was a bit more kind of artistically like you know there was a bit more to it now nah, fuck that that ain't what i don't that is not what i listen to pop music for i don't want to hear that i want this give me 12 
fucking bangers the longest one being three minutes and 35 seconds long and make it the best and, and most amount of fun this record is fucking in its own way as spectacular as sergeant pepper's lonely hearts club band <laughs> or the dark side of the moon it's that good do you know what i mean uh no i don't know what you okay, mean fine. but it is That's really fine. fucking good yes i absolutely love this album as well i think uh similar to how you sort of say the 1975 your revelation of the year i think lizzo's the one for me because it's just like i thought well she just writes uh, singles that she sort of like puts out every year or whatever that are attached to albums that probably aren't very good but there's one single that will get played in a club and that's good and brilliant uh how fucking wrong i was yeah um special is uh as special does special. yeah yeah mm. Special by Lizzo, that would be my number five. My number four, probably not much of a surprise to a lot of people. Uh, I've gone for Hugo by Loyal Karna. Mm. Um, this came out only a month and a half ago. So, you know, this is probably the, the newest of the sort of big five, if you like. Um, I didn't know, you know, obviously knew the name loyal Karna, and i was aware of the fact that you know he was somebody who i think it's like i nearly called it said oh this is kind of his breakthrough year but like you know like gaz jones was saying when he was on the show last week can't really be your breakthrough when you've you know you're selling out arenas and straight away and you know you've been nominated for brits and all that kind of stuff like i don't think you can consider it you, you've definitely broken out but in terms of sort of having gone back to his other stuff having heard this one you know, had a quick listen to the other albums and sort of remembering hearing you know his previous albums as well and being like oh yeah it's quite good i didn't really expect this to be as amazing as it is mm. i think it's only due to the fact that there are three truly truly amazing records above this that this isn't my album of the year this would be a shout for it's it's of the quality of some things that i have in the past given my album of the year i think it's brilliant I think it's beautiful. I think Lorcana is, again, a completely different perspective on things. His kind of mixed race background, his, um, I, I think he's admitted that, you know, it's something which has given him a different perspective on certain things. And I think that comes through brilliantly on this record. I think the sound of the record is incredible those again as old sort of soul samples um i think the stuff about losing his dad and using that as a kind of comparison between him becoming a father at the same time is beautiful is incredibly moving i think he does it in so many times across this record he he he, he says something and you go i i, re I really relate to that i'm not a, you know i'm not a dad but i have kids but you, you go like i can see how that would you know it's just a very very brilliantly relatable record and when you get to we mentioned blood of my nikes last week mm. and we were talking to gaz about this record heartbreaking song yeah and it could be too angry too saccharine too over egged in the hands of some people hard to get those sort of songs right and he gets it so right. When you get to, you know, the end, a lasting place, polyfiller, HG, HGU with the, I mean, it's sort of the same trick as um, 
stage four trick. by Touche Moore. Yeah, 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 but it's the sort of the the the, the, the stage four thing. Yeah, uh, let's say. Um, you know, it's it's so sad. It's it's mm-hmm. it's moving. It's genuinely heartbreaking and moving and sad and beautiful and poignant and um and he is fucking great and again this album is not long this album is short it's 10 tracks it's easily digestible but it goes to show you don't have to kind of wang on for fucking seven minutes uh with the same riff crying over the top of it to do a kind of moving poignant song you can get that shit done and make it sound like a I'm not going to go as far as say you know Lord Carnot makes these things sound like pop songs because they're definitely not pop songs but you you, you get what I'm saying those mm. songs, yeah, yeah, songs yeah. catchy they're catchy and instantaneous and they're memorable um, and beautiful and yeah fucking love this record love it absolutely love it Hugo by Lord Carnot would be my number four um, which brings us to what would be my number three and I think when it came out i couldn't imagine this not being number one yeah i could not imagine this not being my favorite album of the year but here we are soul glow uh diaspora problems i fucking raved about this album Mm. reviewed it for metal hammer raved about it heard a couple of singles from before and then they sent me the record i was like this is just this is just unbelievable this is just fucking unbelievable this record so rare now to hear a punk rock band and they're not even just a punk rock band are they i mean they're not just a great punk rock band the hip-hop thing the the the, the kind of rock and roll swagger of a song mm. like Thumbsucker, which sounds like kind of classic old school i don't they managed to to remind me of the stooges and public enemy and then let live and turnstile and bad brains i mean obviously like the bad brains comparisons are all over them as a band mm. and people might go well that's very lazy to just say oh you know here are four black men who play punk rock oh they must be bad brains or be yeah, like bad yeah. brains i get that you know on paper and on you know that is a, a quite a, quite a obvious and lazy crass comparison but they're that good that they sound. I mean, they sound, when you say they sound like bad brains, they actually do fucking sound like bad brains. Mm. And that shit's fucking impressive when you think of how tight and how like important bad brains are to the, absolutely the sort of, revolutionary bad brains. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, the tapestry of it. And you know, I, I've just mentioned probably the only other two kind of quote unquote punk bands that you would say from the last decade and a bit that have really done anything imaginative or important or transcendental to the sound of this genre are let live and turnstile they're the only two yeah and they're the only two bands that i would compare this record to fucked up if true is fucking amazing i mean you know as soon as you get like who got beat by ass who got beat by ass is absolutely fucking goes so so fucking hard but then you get a song like you know Dripponomics, mm. which is a pure fucking hip hop song. It's a pure hip hop song, and it's not a pure hip hop song in like you know, like li- listen, it's a, it's a decent enough. I you know, I I heard someone say that Bob Villain was their album of the year. Like no shade on Bob Villain, that album is decent. It's mm-hmm. decent. It's a decent record, right? But 
there's 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 some serious there's a there's a gap there mm. you know in terms of like for me where hip-hop is now for a rock band to get to there is very difficult and yet and yet um soul glow it, it's impressive that they're like the best punk band you've heard for fucking god knows how long but it's more impressive that they can do all the other stuff. Like really, seriously, unbelievably impressive. Like this, this record is is insane. It's fucking insanely brilliant. You'll get no arguments from me. Soul Glow mm. are a good band. They are a very, very good band. Um, which brings me to my number one. Oh, he's yeah, cheated, you... isn't he? Do yeah, it again. you heard. You heard my number one because I can't split. I can't split my two favourite albums. I just can't. What we said at the start about this being, you know, a uh, a year and a, a podcast where, you know, it's really, really hard to kind of go, oh, why is, you know, why is Lizzo better than Ithaca? Um, it's, you know, how the fuck do you kind of quantify that? It's really, it's really, really difficult to be able to quantify that. So, um i got to my number one and i was like i kind of went back and forth all year and i couldn't so i have a joint number one for the first time ever and you might think this is a cop-out but i genuinely cannot split these two records my joint number one should i do both of them at the same time or should i just do one and then do one what do you reckon Sam? no i think doing both at the same time because i think uh, well when you get into it i think there are thematic similarities that can kind of carry between the two albums that musically are quite disparate yeah so my joint number one record of the year coming in at one and two but ultimately one together uh i don't think many of you that surprised is mr morale and the big steppers by kendrick lamar and angel in real time by gang of youths mm. both of these records do wildly different things in terms of the sound of the music that they make but you're right thematically they are both very very similar um Gang of Youths, Angel in Real Time, is about the realisation that your family has this big secret that you didn't know about and the revelations that come in the aftermath of that. Again, when you've just been a dad, it's about loss. It's about losing one's father. And how do you deal with that? Like, what do you do? Um, and how do you emotionally react when that thing happens? And I think David Liar Pepe um, of Gang of Youths, I think brilliantly soundtracks that. I think not only does he explore, oh, I'm sad that my father has died and he's never going to meet my son, but he's, but then the anger that he felt towards him, the disappointment, but also the kind of excitement and confusion of like, I have a whole new family. And to be able to turn that into pop songs, on the Angel of Eighth Avenue is amazing. But to be able to turn it into the the most beautiful choking ballad in a song like Brothers, mm. which is spectacular, um, I think is something else as well. To let the album fade out, it's one of the, I'm gonna say, it's one of the greatest ends to any album ever, Goal of the Century. It is absolutely 
just I I I I dare not even breathe at the end of the, this record because I don't want to ruin what is such a perfectly brilliantly crafted piece of closure to this record. It's pitched so perfectly. The the way it it evolves the fact like I said it can go from kind of actual kind of catchy indie rock bangers mm. like hey what the fuck's going on here but i've written a big banger about i've been written this kind of you know almost like killers-esque banger about it <laughs> to the place we get to with goal of the century at seven minutes long i think is amazing i think mm. that's absolutely absolutely amazing um and to kind of contrast that with mr morale and the big steppers you've got the you know like i say the biggest artist maybe in the world at the moment like literally maybe the biggest artist in the world going back to you know his major labor debut i think this is a kind of thematic follow-up to good kid mad city in mm. a lot of ways you know kendrick lamar has made some fucking astonishing records to pimp a butterfly you know obviously we'll do a classic on that one day i think we'll do a classic on good good kid mad city as well those two records in particular i was like i don't i don't ever really see him kind of topping or equaling that the fact that the confines of hip-hop mean nothing to him like i said when i saw him at the o2 like they mean nothing to him at all they're they're irrelevant they are they just don't exist and they genuinely don't exist you see artists going oh we tried to sort of move out of our box and stuff kendrick lamar pays no heed at all whatsoever to any of the trends not just in hip-hop now but 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 ever when you listen to this record orchestral uh gospel parts tiny minimalist beats that kind of come from nothing and evolve into these huge sort of swooping grandiose musical moments soundtracking him telling you stuff that i am not sure i've ever heard a major label artist not even not even just a, 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 like a, a huge 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 artist but a major label artist discuss and admit and look at in that way like the, the, in terms of a self-analytical piece of work mr morale and the big steppers may well be the most honest album ever made do you know what i mean it's fucking phenomenal the places he will go the things he will say the things he will admit you know i said when we initially reviewed it on riot act he spends the first half of it going almost going I'm I'm a bad person. I am a bad person. And you go like fuck man like why are you why are you going there with some of this stuff like you're making me really uncomfortable. And it's not until you listen to the Mr. Morale side um that you start to go oh well okay. And it's not make excuses and then admit it's basically like here's all the stuff and this is why and i think it is you know it, it's just fucking incredible and of course you know i mean there's there's so many songs on this there's so many great songs you know you could talk about worldwide steppers um and you can talk about you know savior and 
Auntie Diaries, which remains like a a really kind of divisive, difficult mm. song for him to for, for him to do. But really, you know, um, Mother I Sober is comfortably the best song of the year, isn't it? Like, it it doesn't like it's not even fair to compare it to anything else. I don't think anything else could get close to mother i sober and and look angel in real time has got shit like brothers on it and hand of god mm -hmm. which i think um and and then it, you know like spirit boy as well is fucking amazing and those songs are incredible um and i think when i weighed them both up i was like i think angel in real time is just about more consistent all the way through i love everything all the way through but then when i think about the high points in mr morale and particularly mother i sober which i just think is an all-time fucking classic song um the like of which like you won't hear anyone do anything like that ever again unless maybe it's kendrick lamar when yeah, he really unless his next album. album yeah it's fucking unbelievable and yeah the two of them together combined i just I just found it really, really, really hard to split them. Impossible to split them. I went back and forth so much. And although they're both really, really different, they both weirdly come from the same place. I think they're both driven by a really honest, restless artistic spirit from the, the kind of the mastermind at the center of it all. I think both of them musically veer between catchiness, ingenuity beauty um and and class and quality at all times i think lyrically both of them are like staggering one one hundred percent one hundred percent i wouldn't change a word or a lyric on any of it no. and i just i just couldn't split them so they both are my favorite album 2022 mr around a big step is by kendrick lamar and angel in real time by gang youths and uh got anything to say to that sam i just can't believe that you didn't find space to get patient number nine in your top 20 i know mad that isn't it yeah you don't Absolutely like tony mad. iomi playing on songs about joke wanking no no not really no, Funny, yeah, isn't it? yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's all a joke actually they were both my number two number one the dying the sick and, uh, <laughs> yeah, 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 mega yeah absolutely <laughs> um there you go thanks very much for listening everyone i appreciate that it's been a bit of a long one i did waffle a bit but it'll be sam's turn to be doing the waffling next week so uh he will be giving you the rundown of all the stuff that i just gave you but in his voice and <laughs> with his opinions basically so yes but it'll be it'll be different all right anyway thanks very much for listening everyone like i say go to choose Colt, sorry patreon.com forward slash true cop pop and you can sign up for all of our exclusive content there thanks very much for listening it's been a good year it's been a good year and i hope you agreed with many of my picks we'll see you next week <laughs>